We got to go back in time. Yes. To August of 1997. August 4th, to be exact. It was a Monday. And it was a good night for Monday Night Nitro. Because it was the 100th episode of WCW's flagship television program. And the babyface Nick Pacone was <laughs> smack dab in front of his television. I... Smooth at 8 p.m. to watch it. So, let me give it a little bit of background, a little bit about where, where it was. It was at the Palace of Auburn Hills in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Of course, that's the same what site else? of SummerSlam 93. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. How about that? <laughs> I full remember. Full circle, right? Of course. Full circle. Oh, yeah, Lex Luger. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about that. Good connection there. He right. needed that. He needed to exercise some demons <laughs> in that building. <laughs> <laughs> I never even thought about that. Then they went to Sturgis yeah, that's and true. screwed it all up, but whatever. Well, that's, that's neither here nor there. But And, of course, again, Auburn Hills, Michigan. This is the 100th episode of Nitro, again. And remember, on the first episode of Nitro, we had the big happening on the first episode of Nitro in 95 was Lex Luger showing up uh-huh. in his first appearance from WWF. And here he is in WCW. And it's like, Wow. <laughs> Look at that. That's a big move for WCW. Lex Luger's here. And that put Nitro on the map. And the 100th episode, the show pretty much revolves around Lex Luger. So that's a nice little symmetry there. But, Nick, I need to know, where were you in life on August 4th, 1997? Living my dream and not doing crap during the summer, staying up late to watch wrestling every Monday night, in the greatest year of our Lord in wrestling, 1997, uh, the summer oh was so good. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that in there. Uh, just move like, and <laughs> I'm mad at myself because I didn't tape these shows, and I, I should have. Um, I didn't get to, you know, tape them on VHS until they would upload to WWE 24/7 on demand and all that. But uh, thank. Goodness for Peacock, I can go back and watch these. Yeah, I'm sure they're heavily edited, but still brings back a ton of memories. I had not had cable in my room yet. I did have a TV, but it was only uh, like the network TV. I had an antenna, so I only got like channels 3, 6, 10, uh, 29, you know, like those PBS, WHYY, like those channels. So I would watch wrestling in my mother, my parents' room. Because uh, they had cable or whatever. So I would switch back from, you know, USA and TNT to watch Nitro and Raw in my in my parents' room. And they would usually come up, you know, once wrestling was done at like 11 o'clock or whatever. So especially in the in the summer, I was able to stay up and watch it. So uh, camped out in my parents' bedroom watching Nitro and Raw going back and forth. Uh, mostly, obviously, Nitro because they were three hours and it went from 8 to 11 instead of 8 to 10. And, uh they would always air the replay of Nitro right after. So it would be like from 8 to 10, and I think it would go from 10 to 12. Uh, I don't know if there was like a an hour in between and it would go to 11 to 1, but right after no, this. I think, it would, when, um, I think it would play right after. Yeah, from what right I remember. after this episode, it would be like you know three straight hours. And I remember uh, I didn't tape the live show because I didn't think Luger was going to win. 
I was like, oh, it's going to be another schmage finish. Like, there were so many DQ finishes at this point in time that the NWO would always, you know, run in and everything. So I didn't feel like it was going to be a special show, even the way WCW hyped it up. I was just like, okay, like, we've seen this before. Like, there's no way Hogan's going to lose, whatever. And it wasn't until after Luger won, obviously, I ran downstairs and I was like, Bob, Bob, can I... Uh, where's their tape? Like, I, I need a VHS because I got to tape the replay of Nitro. And I started taping it uh, right after it went off the air when the replay started at 11. And then once my parents came up to go to bed, I asked if I could go downstairs and tape the rest. And I I think, I, I don't remember because I was like 12. No, not even 12 yet. I think I was 11. I would be 12 in, in a few months. So uh, I don't think they wanted me to stay up late so i think i was just gonna hit record and then i'm gonna like you know go to bed or whatever they would usually like close their doors so uh they couldn't tell if i really you know went back up but i stayed downstairs and i watched the whole replay and and recorded it so uh i was so happy that luger won and i remember uh you know there i'll talk about other things while i was taping it uh you know they would talk about that adult oriented pay-per-view coming up road wild and there were some adult oriented adult oriented shows on my vhs tape as i was flipping channels so oh (laughs) my god or the replay oh lord yeah yeah nicholas i did that that. (laughs) you checking out skinamax during this sorry mom (laughs) oh my god you are yeah. a true heathen. I had to, uh, I had to research. In its purest form. I had to research the movie because I forgot Jesus. what it was. And the movie was Improper Conduct. What? <laughs> you, you did what? <laughs> well, this was at the time we didn't have, you know, the guide on the TV that tells us what we're watching. So I just had, like, the random cable box and we would switch channels but nothing would show up you know like it wouldn't tell us what we're watching so yeah i, I switched it to like you know skin and max hbo showtime the, those shows <laughs> and, uh, during commercials most of the time but some sometimes they were during matches like the lucha matches that i didn't care about at the time oh my god <laughs> and i came across improper conduct so yeah it, yeah it's rated r it is. It came a out. woman seeks her own brand of justice when her sister's sexual harassment case is smothered by acts of foul play. What in the hell? <laughs> Stephen Bauer was in it. He Tony was in Welch Scarface. Was in it. John Laughlin was in it. This is a real movie or it just is. like a Skidamax? Yeah, it was on one of those channels. So What in the hell? It was, it was, Improper Conduct was uh, released in 1994, by the way. So this is three years later. And it's all on one of those uh, channels, and uh, yeah, there were it, it, there were things that that were recorded on my WCW oh my Nitro tape from August fourth, nineteen ninety seven. That uh, I think the original still exists in, in storage, so I should probably get that to make sure no one, <laughs> no one else gets it. <laughs> but, <laughs> Bro, I was expecting this like whimsical story of your childhood and like how this mo- monumental moment in your life and you know, like it just really inspires you and like, and you know and like, really, you know, it, it hit home with you or something like that. Like it really meant a lot to you, you know, it enamored you. It just made you, it just captivated you. Well, improper conduct. And, in, and instead, it did all that. 
this took a turn to like yeah I also was flipping back and forth to Skinamax huh <laughs> to improper conduct my original plan Bauer from Scarface <laughs> my original plan was to pause commercials and, and then you know obviously unpause when my travel here but <laughs> then I was I just started switching because and it's on about, the tape it is it's on the tape and about a year or two before this, I think I would go downstairs because my mom and dad didn't like me watching Beavis and Butthead. And <laughs> it's funny. My mom I, would watch Beavis and Butthead <laughs> with me. She would sit me down and be like, isn't this funny? Vaughn, get up. Do Cornholio. Go ahead and do it. You need TP for your bunghole. Say it. <laughs> the complete opposite childhood. My mom would watch horror movies, sit me down and watch horror movies. And come on, let's go ahead and get some popcorn so we can watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That was me. That was a impersonation I've been doing since I was five. All right. Mom would get the popcorn together and round up the kids and be like, let's watch Happy Hell Night, guys. <laughs> like eight-year-olds. <laughs> Happy Hell Night. <laughs> what? Let's watch Night of the Demons. <laughs> Quality family television. Which, look, it sparked my love of horror movies. I'm not like a worse person for it. It's just, I, it's just funny. <laughs> like, I find it hilarious. So... That that's what I was watching on television when I was like eight, and your mom was like, "No beavers and butthead." Meanwhile, no. I'm watching people get mutilated on radar movies on a regular basis. But again, this is why I love horror movies to this, to, to the way I do. But go ahead, I didn't mean to cut right, your story right. off. Uh, so uh, I think I would sneak down sometimes to to watch Beavis and Butthead because I knew there was a marathon on, courtesy of the TV Guide channel. Because uh, I would watch TV in my parents' room a lot, you know, especially before I had a TV. And the TV they would eventually get me, like the little 13-inch TV, uh, had a built-in VCR. So I could actually watch some, like, old wrestling tapes in my room if I wanted to. But I could never watch, you know, those other channels rather than, like, CBS and ABC, NBC. So uh, I would sneak down and watch MTV, <laughs> Beavis and Butthead and stuff like that. And so... I. I think one of those times is when I came across, you know, my, my parents always had HBO and Cinemax and Showtime, like it's part of the cable package. I just don't think they knew they didn't have to have it or they were just like, yeah, let's have it or whatever. But uh, that's when I knew in those uh, late, late hours, early morning hours, there were, there were some programs on on there so i would i would turn there them on programs and, and by the way i didn't do it like i didn't it. understand what any of it was i just wanted to see you know women so <laughs> i mean i know why you're watching it you have to explain <laughs> yourself <laughs> i think everybody listening knows why well, I, I didn't do anything <laughs> but uh I just watched, hey it's all so. right you know i look i didn't want to i'm not going there i'm not going there nowhere near <laughs> you don't have to explain yourself no further all that to say, Road Wild was coming up as WCW uh, was hawking yeah, it as their adult themed adult themed pay per view, and there was an adult themed pay per view on my Nitro tape. Oh my god! Moving on from that, that was that took a turn. Improper conduct. Let's go uh, check improper. It out. That was some improper conduct. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention earlier that this is a three-hour episode yes. of Nitro. No, I think you mentioned was, that, didn't you? I, I know it's a 100th episode. I don't know if it's a three. I've mentioned it was three very hours. First but three hour Nitro. Very first. Okay, I was going to ask you if it, this was a very first. Um, how did you feel about watching a three-hour Nitro? Was it just like, hey, more wrestling? Or did it feel boring to you at some point? 
That's weird. I wasn't that, like, if it was boring me, I didn't really know it was boring me. I was just, like, ready for, like, an NWO thing, or uh, Kurt Henning had debuted a few weeks prior to this, so I was, like, anything, he was in the first match, so I was interested in anything he did, and his character was so, like, non-committal to Ric Flair and the Horsemen and to the NWO, so I was, like, I was very eager to see, like, what he was going to do. And, like, his character always intrigued me, even with the WWF. He never seemed to be, like, except that 1993 run when he turned on Bobby Heenan and Ric Flair and then he was, like, a baby face for that until he went away. And then when he came back and as a commentator in 95, it was always, like, a tweener type thing. And that's the first time I really saw, like, a tweener character. So Mr. Perfect was always, like, somebody that I watched and no matter what he was doing in WWF or WCW, so... Uh, I, you know, I was very interested in him turning up in WCW. Raven at the same time came in, so I was I wasn't like, yeah. There, there's these filler matches on Nitro that I just don't care about, which is why I would change the channel. But uh, <laughs> I'll get away from that. Um, yeah, I wasn't really bored. I, I didn't think Luger would win the title, but you know, there was more exciting things to watch during the course of the program than uh, Hulk Hogan-Lex Luger title match. So really everything WCW was doing, especially in the summer of 97, I was hooked. Yeah, I'm not surprised, man. I mean, WCW is red hot. They were at their peak, arguably, in like in 97. And I don't think it was even arguable. It's, they were at their peak in 97. 97 was the best year for WCW from beginning to end. The end ended on sort of a dud, but... 97 was the year and i mean 98 was a good year with goldberg um being the guy but 97 i think is really the year that was like man this they were hitting all cylinders because 98 is when it started to dip and there's no coincidence that when it started to dip it's when they added a third hour to the show permanently (laughs) right when they added that third hour in january 98 the quality started to dip, and it's right after this peak year where they had two hours. But yeah. spin yeah, this forward a little bit. Not only bit. that, they added two hours on TBS every Thursday. Right, so, so they added three on, more man. hours of programming. Three more hours of programming. And look, this is what networks do. Look, like, hey, this is a this is a moneymaker for us. Give us more. And if you're a wrestling company and this network is saying, well, I don't know if this is what happened in this case, but like they gave you money to do more. Like, you know, I don't know how it worked. The machinations worked for like WCW, but I know like WWE, they have a contract with NBC Universal. NBC Universal said, hey, we want a third hour all the time. We're going to give you X amount of money for this third hour. Okay. You're not going to turn down the money. <laughs> you know, the product can suffer, but you're going to take the money because yeah. that's what you're going to do at the end of the day. But. I did find find it interesting that this is the first episode, three hour episode of Nitro, but there's a clip that resurfaced recently uh, that was posted by the Public Enemies podcast. Shout out to them uh, of Triple H on Steve Austin's podcast back in like what 2014, 2015 or whatever, where Austin asked Triple H, "Hey, if you were in charge tomorrow, what was the first thing you would change?" And he would say, "I would go back to two hours for Raw." <laughs> 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 like, and he was like, it's just so hard to do a third hour, you know, and it's just super, it makes it incredibly yeah. difficult. So that was something I look into. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And he's like, you know, it's, it's above him. It's a Vince thing. It's a, it's a money thing. It's an NBC Universal thing. But 
He said that he would love to get rid of that third hour. Now, this was many years ago. This is also when Triple H wasn't in charge <laughs> of creative decisions or his wife wasn't the CEO, coach CEO and chairwoman of the board. That's the case now. So what you going to do? <laughs> we saw at SummerSlam, hey, we, you, we know your influence. You flexing out here. We see you flexing, Triple H, with Bailey and EO Sky and Dakota Kai and the crazy main event. You flexing. And I feel like there might be more to come. But what you going to do about this? Because this is, this is kind of like sort of out of your hands at this point, right? I don't know how this works. Because now you have a contract with NBC Universal. They're paying them billions of dollars. How, how, the, the landscape has changed. Really, they don't need to get rid of the hour, but they can move it. Or they can make it something different, like a recap show. Uh, mm. You know, like they used to have AM Raw on Saturday mornings, and that was like the filtered down version of Raw. You know, I don't remember exactly what year they were doing it, but, uh, you know, that you can move it to a Saturday morning again, or you could keep it at, from eight to nine. You have like a recap show or like a, a Raw preview type show where it's live, but do you need a three hours? from live in the arena to 8 to 11, you know, end of the arena. Like, I, I don't necessarily – I think they can, like, kind of mess with that a little bit. You know, like two hours of action in the ring telling storylines and then another hour of just recap or, like, a completely different concept. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't think they're going to make NXT one hour and move it and then you could have NXT lead into Raw at 9 o'clock. I don't think no. they're going to do any of that anymore. No, I don't think so neither. Um, but, you know, it, it, I think – there's a better mind in place now that can, if he really wants to go back to two hours, you can do eight to 10. Like, I don't know if you have to necessarily go to 11, but I don't, I don't know. Like if they want to not compete with Monday night football anymore, like I think they, it would be smart to not try to, but it's been a decade now. So uh, I don't know if we're going to see like a drastic change to that, but I, I wouldn't mind it if they did, you know, if they just retold one hour of that Monday night raw and, put it somewhere else or made it something different we'll see we'll see um have a, it will be a weekend show on usa just call it wwf mania or live wire <laughs> bring that back oh boy oh boy uh but usa they may not say they may say hey we want that hour to be just as good as the first two we want people to right, be watching right, us because yeah. not as many people will watch a weekend weekend recap show uh, or any recap show. Not many people want to watch that. The, the mm -hmm. best you're going to do when it comes to WWE is in-ring action. And if that's what you have now, why would you say, let's do something different? <laughs> like, Because mm -hmm. <laughs> like, they don't, technically, they don't have to care what the product is like as long as it generates ratings, as long as they're not offending people. Right. Uh, if there's still people watching, somebody likes it. There's still people buying tickets that means somebody and, likes it and there is a way you and can it, make a three-hour weekly show like good but i mean we haven't seen it so i don't know what way that is hey way <laughs> you know it's tough for wcw it's tough been tough for wwe for a decade maybe there isn't a way to do it for our, our pro wrestling show three hours live every week maybe it's just insurmountable <laughs> like <laughs> i don't know because it feels like the product has drastically changed or suffered in, in some ways since going to three hours permanently. Not to say that they were on fire before that, but it's just like, man, Raw is a tough watch. It's a much harder watch at three hours than it is at two hours. 
Uh, but back to Nitro. As you mentioned, this is the final Nitro this before is, uh, Road Wild. Season three of Nitro. Yes, season three. Episode 31. Episode 31. Makes a little more sense when it's a TV show, (laughs) not when it's a pay-per-view. No. So I'll give it that much. But they're talking about Road Wild. I'm going to talk about it a lot as their more adult-oriented show, adult-themed show. All it really is, though, is just a bunch of bikers hanging out (laughs) in Sturgis, uh, South Dakota. And they're just revving up their bikes. They're not doing anything different. (laughs) Like They're just revving up their bikes. And as a black person, this doesn't look that fun. <laughs> like, doesn't look somewhere I want to go. But more power to the people that do. Uh, but hearing the Nitro music and seeing the Nitro set, it's just so damn nostalgic. I don't watch it enough is, episodes man. of Nitro. I feel like I should watch, go back and watch more episodes of Nitro because so it just, good. it was pretty cool. Like that, that music that, that's great. It's a great song for a wrestling show. This is great. This everything about it, right? Great. And that was for the time that entrance set was pretty extravagant, like yeah. all the lights and, yeah. and the big WCW on the side and fireworks all the time. Like it wasn't even like a really big set, but like for the time period, it was really extravagant, especially something to have every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, that looked better than WWF's pay per view sets. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, there's more lights did. and more extravagant looking, and that's what Nitro had every week. So yeah, it just looked like. That was where the big boys played, <laughs> like, <laughs> finally. Uh, maybe not 96, but it was by 97. They looked like the best wrestling promotion in the world. And Raw wasn't necessarily a bad show in 97, but it just didn't look as good as Nitro. No, even when they brought back the big, were brought in the big stage with the Titan Tron, it was just like a curtain, and they would walk through the curtain and come down. Right. It was like, you know, they didn't have that... S- set thing where, where the extra you know WWF logo and you come through that at least that looked cooler but yeah it was kind of plain even when they went with the big stage and Titantron right right and even still still they had to do that to match Nitro right like that wasn't something that they did first and Nitro followed up no they did that to follow up Nitro so they can make their show look, look, look a little more extravagant because just having the R.A.W. In 95 and 96, that wasn't cutting it, like, clearly. Yeah, and they started going to bigger arenas, which was nice. You know, they weren't. Yeah, instead of in the Lowell, Massachusetts. Or $5,000, 5,000 arenas, (laughs) you know. They were the 15,000-seat arenas. Yeah, they had to to play. Like, they had to go where the big boys played. You had to to stop playing the small time. Stop playing in the the, the little leagues, minor leagues. Playing the big leagues with the big boys. Like, WCW, baby. Look at the verb play that's that's actually accurate what i just said uh kevin nash look at the adjective play (laughs) (laughs) but moving on we got michael buffer in the ring starting us off with his peak catchphrase let's get ready to rumble the place is packed there's fireworks going off it is buzzing for the 100th episode of nitro It's buzzing. There's signs everywhere. WCW never is rolling on all cylinders. He never opened the Nitro like that. So that's when you knew it was a big show. It's a big show. It's a 100th episode, man. WCW is like, we're going to get a you know number what? out I of did this. something that this was technically the 99th episode because... Uh, I think I read that somewhere, too, and count, I was confused by that. They count a Saturday Nitro, like house show, as part of the Nitros. So oh. this is technically episode 99, but... 
Who knows? So that but that that Saturday wasn't televised. Correct, I believe. Ooh, so. wow, interesting. So I knew yeah. I saw somewhere so it said ninety nine. I was like, huh? I thought this was the one hundredth show. What? And I, I didn't see it. Oh, you, yeah. Oh, I thought you meant nineteen ninety nine, but you literally just repeated what no, I said. No, ninety ninth show. Yeah, yeah. Ninety ninth episode. Yeah. I'm like, what? And that's kind of confused by that. But okay, okay. Thanks for I clearing think that, that up. That was the uh, reasoning. Okay. Okay. So I'm glad I'm not the only one that noticed a discrepancy there. And <laughs> uh, what the hell episode this was? Nothing but, gets by us, man. We're the best wrestling podcast out there for a reason. Damn straight. But WCW, it got by them. <laughs> like, this is your show. Apparently, <laughs> it's your show, bro. You got to know what episode you're on. Keep track of that. But regardless, well, this is promoting it. Like you just add fifty and fifty, and then you add four weeks, right? So September eleventh was that the first Nitro in ninety five? So Ooh, I have no it's idea. Not even like two straight years plus four weeks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, Michael Buffer again, the obscenely expensive Michael Buffer in the <laughs> ring. Uh, and like I said, WCW is rolling hot, man. They, they they're rolling on all cylinders. The fans are going crazy, and we start off the show with the Nitro Girls and oh. one of, like, 12 performances on the show. They worked hard. They were the <laughs> hardest-working people on the show, the Nitro yes. Girls. So yes. shout-out to y'all because y'all worked y'all asses off <laughs> on this show. Every time I turn around, I saw the Nitro Girls, all right, doing a whole new routine and a whole new wardrobe. Damn. I didn't even have to change the channel, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But I still did. This wasn't enough skin. <laughs> By the way, one of those Nitro girls look like uh, my girlfriend from seventh grade, just the hair. So I was oh, okay. instantly attracted to her. I thought she was like my favorite Nitro girl. I don't remember her name, but she was in the front like most of the time. She had like shortish hair, um, I like don't above recall. the shoulders. But uh, yeah, it looked exactly like my girlfriend at the time. So I was like, yeah, I well, like her. <laughs> We haven't talked a lot about the Nitro Girls, mainly because we haven't covered an episode of Nitro yet, but they made their debut just earlier this year, on yeah. July 14th, 1997. Yep. So uh, not even long. a month ago. All right, not even a month prior to this, the Nitro Girls made their debut. Of course, they were formed by Kimberly Page, who is, of course, the mm-hmm. former wife of Diamond Dallas Page, who, after one of their performances, Stood in the aisle and, and held up the diamond symbol because, of course, you know that was her man. So, uh, but the Nitro Girls—they were like revolutionary in wrestling. You didn't see dance teams <laughs> in wrestling, no, not in, in and the it ring just too. added right, and it just added to the spectacle that was Nitro, and it's made Nitro look like the bigger deal. When you got dance teams that look like real sports, you get the Laker girls, you get the Cowboys cheerleaders, and you get the Nitro Girls. Like it just made it feel big time so they were at least in the beginning i don't know like nitro suffered so the nitro girls suffered as a result too i guess but in the beginning they were a big part of the show they brought some energy to the show they brought something different to a wrestling show that you didn't see before yeah it um, gave uh, the commentators time to go over anything that you know they needed to say which sometimes hurt because i just wanted to see the girls dance but and not hear them in the background but um <laughs> it wouldn't be till two years later when they completely revamped their look of nitro that they would include the nitro girls in the opener the the you know the opening promo where i was just the like video. Man, two yeah. two years later and they nitro girls weren't there much longer after that so um 
but yeah, I mean, they were a staple of this show for months, if not a year, over a year. I don't remember when they their final like appearance was, but this was, like you said, what, July 14th was when they debuted, so they were already yes. a mainstay of Nitro uh, just weeks into their run. Right. Let's talk about some of the more notable names in the Nitro Girls. There are a lot of them who have all gone on to do great things post-WCW. Uh, one of them, I believe, is uh, Teo uh, has her own like dance school in Georgia, Teo Reed. So how about that? But, of course, the most notable would be, again, Kimberly Page has started it. But then we go to Queen Charmel, uh, who was Storm in the Nitro Girls who's just recently inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Of course, she's also married to fellow WWE Hall of Famer, King Booker T. So there's Charmel. You also got Stacey Keebler, who was in the uh, Nitro Girls from 2000. From when did she? Oh, 1999. When she was in that. I'm like, lost my place there in my notes here. But you got Stacey Keebler. And another name that's worth noting is... Rebecca Kirchy or Whisper I know her. from the Nitro Girls, right? Oh, Stacey Keebler's name in the Nitro Girls, by the way, was Sky. Didn't mention that. Oh. But Whisper of the Nitro Girls is Mrs. Shawn Michaels. Oh. How about that? She He saw her on an episode of Nitro and said, I need to marry that woman. <laughs> and that's pretty much what happened. And next thing you know, they were, they were married. So, um, yeah. Just a couple of names there of the Nitro Girls, who are, again, integral part of the show. Uh, and I think added to the presentation. Um, they probably was a big expense for them and, and another thing, to maybe a headache for pe- some people, I guess, maybe. But I think they added to the show when the show, especially when the show was humming, when the show was on good footing. Yeah, they did they started going downhill. commercial breaks for the live audience so we when we're watching the show they're just like dancing but they're doing other stuff during the commercials so yeah so shout out to the nitro girls they were we haven't seen anything like it since really in in wrestling um but i think it was a in theory i think a cool idea uh that that they tried that um I don't hate. I don't. I don't hate the decision. It's, it's not something I'm like. Why the hell did they do that? It's like I understood why they did that. <laughs> like and the place it. wasn't bad either. It would always be like coming back from a commercial break. You know, like in spots where, you know, they let the wrestling angles breathe, and then you bring in the Nitro Girls and right. kind of like go from there. I think part of the presentation was hurt when like you got Halloween Havoc in 98 and they run over because they have like five Nitro Girl performances. Right, it's right. like, you don't need that many Nitro well, Girl performances. That, that might've been the only pay-per-view they had. I don't remember any pay-per-views, but again, I don't watch like all those old WCW pay-per-views and unless we deep dive on them, but I don't remember if they were ever like really performing on pay-per-views, at least more than a few. And Halloween Havoc is the only one I remember. So, Right. Which is, they weren't at Road Wild. <laughs> no, probably for the best. Yeah. They weren't at Road Wild for their safety. <laughs> probably yeah. for the best. Yeah. That they weren't at Road Wild. But we start off the show with the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff, who comes down to the ring. I remember during the entrance, somebody was holding up an action figure. I was like, I'm pretty yeah. sure I had that action figure back in the day. <laughs> like, yeah. was my it, mom uh... bought me these. Was it Hogan, like, spray-painted NWO? 
Is that the one you're talking I guess, about? Man. It was like a. My mom bought me these two random WCW figures for some reason, out of nowhere. It was Hogan and the Giant, but they were like super stiff, and I just didn't like them. And they were like kind of big too. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, my mom started the getting one. me the. Yeah, and my mom. I think they came with like a trading card or something like that. I forget. And but but my mom started buying me the WWF figures. Like these are way better. <laughs> Did they have never a button WCW that vibrated? One. I think so. Yeah, yeah something like that. Button, yeah. yeah. Just a big goofy toy. All, all it that I did, did not was vibrate want. though. It didn't like do any wrestling thing, and it was stiff. Like right. you said, it was like did, it, did they <laughs> did they talk? Like did they like have a speaker? No, like I don't think those did. The ones that we're talking about. No, I had a few of those. No, I, know I had those Hogan. Figures, I think I had the Giant. Those figures suck. Quite a few. I think I definitely had Scott Hall. Um, but they didn't, they didn't yeah, release a Giant. lot of them. They just released like six or seven. I had Sting. I know Sting uh. was you know there, but yeah. I know which one. I know those. <laughs> yeah, they, they were not good. They were not good at all. Uh, <laughs> but Hogan pretty much gets into the ring and cuts a classic wrestling promo. Like he just says, hey, they, they got a big show, right? They start off the show with their biggest star and champion. He says, hey, later on, I'm going to beat this guy for my title. And that's it. Like, yeah. that, was, yeah. that was the promo pretty much. And he <laughs> talked about, he, uh, you know, calling the motorcycles a roll out fat boys and bum. Um, and all that stupid stuff but at the end of the day <laughs> he really just said hey i'm the biggest star you know me come watch me wrestle at later on tonight peace and that was it like that's <laughs> that's why they call interviews promos because you're promoting what you're about to do in this he, he almost interview. messed up though he cut himself short early and i was like oh wait a second <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'm gonna after, fight scott hall when i win it's like wait what <laughs> right after he's done his promo he says a thing the music starts playing and then he grabs the mic and says, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, <laughs> I'm going to, you know, when I win, Sky Hall is going to be the number one contender for the title. My blood brother, Sky Hall, yeah, let's do it. We're going to get it but all, the music, <laughs> Right. But the music kept playing. Then, like, Even though he he's like, hey, sorry, John, or whatever, like, cut it, cut it, something like that. He's trying to yeah, call yeah. it, cut it. Yeah. They just never did. It's like, nope, we're not. <laughs> Once we started, we can't stop. Your fault. And the thing that annoys me on Peacock is we can't hear like Hogan's theme, the the Jimmy. Oh yeah, the Jimmy Hendrix child, yes. Jimmy Hendrix voodoo child like that. that I is love true. that theme. I kind of forget like, about it was that. Really cool, but um, you, we don't hear that on Peacock or even on the WWE Network because they edited it out. So his his that voodoo child theme must have been playing that whole time too. He's like, all right, cut it off. But the guy just didn't. right. <laughs> It's kind of weird that he, when he came back to WWE in 02, that he stuck with the Voodoo Child theme. Even though I like that song. And it's a cool theme. Like you said, I like this theme for him. Um, and, like, that song itself is a dope song. Like, I like the song. But Hulk Hogan comes out the real American. <laughs> like, the red and yellow Hogan. Red and yellow Hogan comes out the real American. Right, right. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm looking for here. Not Jimi Hendrix. Even though, again, song is dope. But red and yellow Hogan comes out to real American, which is also a bop. It's a shame it's Hulk Hogan's theme song, but right. it's a bop. I, yeah. I enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but we move on from Hogan uh, and his uh, promo that just went awry at the end um, to Tony Schiavone, Mike Tanay, and Larry Zbysko, who are on the call for this historic and monumental show, the 100th, we think, episode of Monday Nitro. <laughs> uh, they talk about the main event, and they say that J.J. Dillon has an offer for Sting, and he's going to make the offer later in the night. 
Sting, of course, hadn't wrestled on television or spoken on television in over a year by this point. <laughs> like, this is a wild storyline that's been playing out, and Sting pretty much had one match <laughs> throughout the storyline. That's pretty cool. Um, but moving on to the night's opening contest, it is an odd pairing on paper when you hear Mortis versus Kurt Hennig. <laughs> and it's like, what in the hell? But when you think about it, it's really Mr. Perfect versus Chris Canyon. Right. Which sounds like a fantastic match that I would have thoroughly enjoyed. A lot of people would have enjoyed that. But Kurt Hennig versus Mortis on Nitro in the opening match, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I was into it just because I like Kurt Hennig. So even though he like I was annoyed because I wanted him to be a good guy so much. So like his tweener thing actually pissed me off. I was like, just do something good, man. Just do something good. And like Mortis was a heel, so I'm like, oh, like he must be a good guy. But I still don't know because of the way he acts. <laughs> and he's yeah, like, he was still, but... he was feuding with DDP. So it was a whole lot of confusion right. for me in terms of do I cheer for this guy or do I boo him? I don't want to boo him because I like him, but he's feuding with DDP and DDP's awesome. So what the hell? <laughs> Poor little confused Nick. Just right. don't know what to do. Exactly. Don't know. So that's don't why we changed it to this guy. <laughs> Less <Damn>. confusion. <laughs> oh no! What are you changing it to? Oh no! I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. And I just hope I the conduct. That, that's what I mean. <laughs> I just hope the conduct was proper when you change the channel. <laughs> um, but before you knew it, this match was over. It was. Not very Hennig long. hit the hit the perfect plex, and that was it. And there's a lot of these the matches Hennig on this show. You know, they can't the Hennig Hennig Plex. Plex. Yes. That's I'm saying it. Uh, but the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole match, the announcers are talking about the Steiners and <laughs> their announcement. Right. Like, what the hell's going on? And their announcement, right. And the rumor. Uh, but a lot of matches on the show were very short and straight to the point. Not much there. So that's going to be a running theme throughout the show. You're not here for none of these matches, though. You're here for the main event. Okay, let's just know that right now. This this is not a show full of bangers from WCW. We've we've done some shows that had some bangers, multiple. This ain't one of them. Okay, but it's an exciting show. It's a memorable show, and that's why we're talking about it here on on this on episode three thirty two. Um, but after the match, we get a video package highlighting Sting's journey throughout the last year. And again, and my tears. WCW is back, baby. It's back. It's back. But we're still not totally sure what's up with Sting and what he's <laughs> going to do. <laughs> Even though WCW is back, but we don't know what Sting's going to do. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see with Sting, pretty much. Uh, 
but we move on. We get another commercial break, I should say. We, we had one, I think, earlier, but we get one now again. And I've noted here, I wish we could see uh, the 90s commercials on Peacock because <laughs> that would have been probably more entertaining than the show, to see 90s commercials. You know I could have not changed the channel, and then we would have been able to talk about it. I just hope the conduct was proper, Nick. If I, That's all if I'm I asking fa- for. find that VHS. <laughs> I just hope the conduct was proper. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. That's you all can even I'm tell, like, tell when I switched it because the, the the channel would pop up, and then uh, if I waited or if I just switched it right away because I didn't see what I wanted to see. So that part was funny as well. Oh boy. <laughs> 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 Oh, I didn't man. have time for the '90s commercials, unfortunately. Look, I'm going to make this. I'm going to say this right now. We're not deep diving into improper conduct from 1994. <laughs> <laughs> we can't. We just can't, right? Patreon. We could make people pay for it. Oh my god. <laughs> we could. That's wild. A Patreon exclusive. <laughs> deep diving in improper conduct starring Stephen Bauer from Scarface. <laughs> but moving on. It is time for a tag team match player. <laughs> <laughs> it is Hector and Chavo Guerrero going up against Jeff Jarrett and Dean Malenko. Here goes our boy, Jeff Jarrett, who's the opposite of Dennis Stamp. May he rest in peace. Because Jeff Jarrett is booked. Okay? <laughs> Even though he didn't have the hat and the horse and he didn't sing the song, and that was a little bit of a disappointment. But that man is still booked. His SummerSlam was last night. He was there. And tonight, as we record this, it's the day of the night or the day of Ric Flair's last match, which Jeff Jarrett is uh, participating in. Yeah, that's right. So that man is booked. You watch that. <laughs> no. Yeah. I got to work anyway. <laughs> but no. I'm sorry. Um, I don't have work tonight, but I will not be watching. Yeah. I am not doing that. But he's he's on SummerSlam. He's on Ric Flair's last match, and he's here on the Stray Shooters by way of the nineteen August fourth, nineteen ninety seven edition highlight of, of his Nitro. Weekend. I'm sure it is, even though he's making not a nail, not a cent from it. <laughs> not a nail, not a cent from this podcast. He wants our Patreon money. So, all right, get he's out of here. These are all six six bucks, Jeff. <laughs> but Hector Guerrero you're probably wondering who that is you shouldn't because he's a part of the Guerrero family he's he's Eddie Guerrero's older brother he is makes him Chavo's nephew Uh, he of course has wrestled in Jim Crocker Promotions yes he's not Chavo's nephew he's Chavo's uncle Chavo's uncle yeah I said that wrong I know he said, like, that's weird. <laughs> I know people that like young people that have older like nephews, which is so weird to me. But it just it happens, happens when the siblings has kids. Yeah. I got a uh a uncle that's like three years older than me. <laughs> like <laughs> he's my uncle technically, but he's three years older than me. Um that's crazy. So, you know, people be having kids when they're old sometimes, you know? <laughs> that's how it be. Um but of course, Hector Guerrero, Jim Crocker Promotions, WCW he wrestled all over the place, but of course you probably know him mostly as the man behind the gobbledygooker. 
<laughs> you do a pretty that's what good like, right? impersonation. I'm trying. Yeah, to do it, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You do a pretty good <laughs> gobbledygooker impersonation. <laughs> I'm not mad at it. It's kind of silly, but it, it's actually pretty good. Ready Objective backstage, really good. confused. Right. <laughs> Don't you gobble. What are you doing talking? Hey, Hector, like how you human doing? Being. <laughs> like I've heard that before. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? Oh my he was standing gracious. right next to it. The Survivor Series 90, when he had his interview, he was standing right next to the egg. So, you might have oh heard Oh my him. goodness. My goodness gracious. Um, <laughs> Hector Guerrero, by the way, last I could find... Uh, he does consulting for pro wrestling consulting. He has like a pro wrestling consulting website. Oh. Uh, I don't know if people use it. <laughs> um, you don't think or, Rick Flair is using it for tonight? I don't. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, but I think it'd be good for pro wrestling to have like some consu- con- consultants out there who can, if you want to start a promotion, here's what the things you need. Here's the processes you need to implement. Uh, like or if you're a wrestler here, here's the places you need to go to train. This is kind of like how this is the places you go to get your gear, like different things, like you know, just like some resources. Like mm. here's how you should talk to these people or something like that. You know, how you conduct your. This is how you conduct yourself in this in these in this environment, right? Here's where you can get a tractor to roll down to the ring. Exactly, uh, but I think is I think it would be a good thing for for especially for promotions. To have some consulting from people who know what they're doing. There's a lot of people out there, or some people I should say out there who have promoted at a high level and got some knowledge to pass down. So, but in general, though, consulting is probably the way to go, bro. <laughs> like yeah. when you can just sit down, tell people what to do, they pay you, and you don't even have to list. They don't even have to listen to you. They don't have to do it. You just get paid and you go home, and that's it. And it's like, damn. Consulting, it's kind of good. You just sit there and say, "Hey, do one, two, three, X, Y, Z, and give me fifteen hundred dollars, please." <laughs> like, like, like that's the job. And they don't don't even have to listen to you. There's no like, uh, like like efficiency rating and nothing like that, or like productivity. It's just like, nope. They can just discard everything, and you still get paid. <laughs> like, so like consulting. That. I gotta look at it. Right, that. that sounds like the way to go, <laughs> being a consultant. Um, but this match is also very short. Uh, Dean Malenko and Jeff Jarrett, who seem like polar opposites, and yeah, they were. That's the story they're telling here, pretty much. Uh, they beat on Hector most of the match and picked up the win. Uh, and I'm pretty sure because this was like Dean Malenko and Jeff Jarrett's like debut as a tag team, right? And they won. But I'm pretty sure they like. Jeff Jarrett turns on Malenko, right? <laughs> like, yeah, that's what they, happens. they weren't in the tag team for long. Um, yeah, I didn't think so. I don't know if they did something at Road Wild or not, but uh, I know they at least had a few matches together. But yeah, they I, w- I totally forgot they were a tag team for a bit, but I, it could have just been for one angle. Like, I, I don't remember too much about that. Yeah. So we go to another commercial break, and we're back with Mean Gene Oakland who was attempting to interview Raven. And Raven is sitting ringside, front row like a fan, and he's just sitting there staring off into space. And then 
Philadelphia's own Stevie Richards jumps up and interrupts with a contract and presents it to Raven. And Raven's looking it over and uh, Raven doesn't like what he sees. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. He spits in Stevie, Stevie Richards' face, which is nasty, and then shoved him. He's in his face. The fans started chanting Raven's name. And then Steven, Stevie Richards said, hey, Raven's not going to abuse me anymore. And that was the end of that segment. So there's yeah, that. But Stevie would go back I will say, and get changed and look like a nerd when he came out at the end to celebrate with Luger. But it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. But we don't talk about Stevie Richards enough on this show, even well, though he's from Philly. He's from Port Richmond. <laughs> like, we should have been talking about him more. At least, like, mentioning in the fact that, hey, he's from Philly. So, shout out to Stevie yeah. Richards. He's doing a, I don't know if he's still doing it, but on uh, DDPY Yoga 2.0, he's uh, in some of the videos. He helps there you run, go. He apparently helps run this studio. So, staying in shape, staying healthy. Philly zone. Yeah. Stevie Richards. Uh, but then we get an ad for the Nitro Party at oh, yeah. One CNN Center. It's really, I thought it was like, is this like a rage party type of thing? But no, it's like a, <laughs> It's like a thing where people will send in a video of into Bad a parties. P.O. box of party ideas. <laughs> Pretty much, right? Did I like miss this? Did I misinterpret this? I wasn't uh, paying close attention to it, but I guess okay. by this That's point, fair. they weren't showing like Nitro parties on their shows. Uh, it wouldn't be till like later this year where Gene okay. Oakland would go out on Mondays and uh, you know, be at a Nitro party, usually on college campuses. And uh, they would show, right. you know, scenes from that. But I guess uh, they, but it was, wasn't it like a party pack or something? Because didn't Tony it seemed like this say was something like a, about wrestler recipes? Did I read that right? Yeah. Wrestler it seemed like, recipes? like I said, <laughs> you, you, you send in a video of party ideas and then WCW would pick the best one and send them supplies for this party. Uh, I don't know. Oh, it was kind of weird. Okay. That's how that I interpreted it. That's how I interpreted it, but I could be wrong. I could have I should have paid more attention. That. Specific <laughs> yeah. thing, but it does. Whenever it's I see Nitro Party, I'm just like disinterested. That's fair, and that's 100 percent reasonable. With you know, uh, I'm the the kind of the weirdo that's like, what? What is this actually? <laughs> you know, what's the deal here with this Nitro Party PO box thing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but we move on. It is now time for a good old fashioned ass whooping between the Giants. <laughs> And three men, Joey Maggs, Lenny Lane, and Scott Demore. And that last name ah. sounds familiar. We know him. He yeah. is still involved with Impact Wrestling as the executive vice president. That man has stood the test of time yep. with Impact. Because I remember him when he was the coach of Team Canada back in the day in like the Spike yes. TV days. Yep. But he's still around. I know he yeah. left a little bit, but he's back again. Uh, he's been there through some rough-ass times with Impact. But he's hanging on, man. I, I I don't know what he's like behind the scenes, but he's been around for a long time. I know that much. Yeah, I, I had a hard time. Uh, I was like, Scott Demore, like who? And then I could point him out. He was very uh, in shape during this match. So it was hard, Damn. To, hard to point him out. Not, I didn't even know. recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, which one is it? Like, I know Lenny Lane, but I couldn't tell whether it was Joey Maggs or Scott Demore. And then obviously uh, I was able to figure it out. But uh, I did not know he was even... <laughs> wrestling in WCW at this point. So I even as even a job, so, um, Joey Mags, however, would, it, it's funny 
the giant kicked his ass. And then I think I don't remember seeing Lenny Lane or Scott DeMore, but uh, Joey Maggs entered the ring to celebrate with Lex Luger and the giant. <laughs> That's funny. After you know, the, giant the giant kicked his ass. So. Right. Because Giant literally just picks these guys up <laughs> one by one, chokeslammed them, pinned all three of them at once, and that was it. <laughs> and then we move on to Randy Savage and comes out and he says, brother, like six times. <laughs> right? Where's that Hector Guerrero at? <laughs> <laughs> I had a gobble around here somewhere. And he provokes the giant and the latter gives chase as we go to another commercial break. We come back with a promo for Saturday night, yeah. which would serve as a bit of a pregame show of sorts for Road Wild, which oh, was Road yeah. Wild, like SummerSlam, was a Saturday night pay-per-view. We then get a video package for Lex Luger as he's just breaking everybody off with the torture rack, <laughs> slapping people up in the torture rack, I think, as he said, um, and, you know, doing damage to people's backs in the torture <laughs> I remember rack. watching live, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, it's not going to, he's not going to win, but that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> This whole don't matter. Night, the whole night I was just like, why are they making such a big deal about this? <laughs> why Whatever. are they trying to convince me? Like, don't even try. <laughs> don't do that. Right? And then we move on to High Voltage versus <laughs> The Public Enemy. We've seen The Public Enemy a couple times. But we ain't never seen no High Voltage on, on our deep dives. <laughs> uh, for good um, reason. Because here's the thing. <laughs> high Voltage, which was <laughs> two guys. I... I for some reason, did not write Kenny their names Chaos. down. Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage. Robbie I did Rage. write their names down. Okay, I'm silly. Because I'm like, I thought I had it. <laughs> and I didn't. But I did. I just couldn't find it. Uh, uh, Kenny Chaos spelled K-A-O-S for Chaos. Huh. Um, they were high voltage, collectively. They came out of the power plant. And apparently, the power plant, which was a horrible school. At least that's the word on the street is that they really, and when you really think about it, who the hell did the power plant produce besides Goldberg and maybe DDP? And really, I'll give you Goldberg could have skipped the power plant. He might tell you it it helped him, but I mean, honestly, he probably could have skipped it because he apparently in his A&E documentary, he crapped on it. Yeah, he didn't. (laughs) It wasn't like good training. Right. And apparently they ran off a lot of people a lot of talented people, including Batista. That's well, one of the uh, names White, apparently that they show was, uh, ran off. Also part of that. So, well, really yeah, like but he also got trained people. in the Monster Factory. He, he that wasn't yeah, his sole true. training. That's true. But for these two guys, you got these two jacked up dudes. I mean, they are like yoked up. <laughs> you put them in a tag team called High Voltage, and give them the names Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage, and then look around and be like, "But why didn't you get over?" <laughs> like. It's like Vince McMahon again. It's like, of course they don't get over. Cause look at them; they look stupid. His name is Kenny Chaos. That's rough, man. That's rough. When you come out, you have to act like you're shocking each other when you touch your right. fingers. They gotta be electric. What? Man, that was corny. But Public Enemy won. They There's do. nothing really to see here. Nope. Uh, High Voltage what? got the heat back after the match. They attempted to get the heat back. <laughs> I don't think it worked. Uh, and it would go to commercial. They uh, they would show a uh, on Road Wild. They had a a uh, ad for Fall Brawl. And you remember how we would talk about the WCW pay per view ads featured some of the least desirable talent and the least important talent. 
Well, Robbie Rage was in the fall <laughs> brawl. Oh my ad. god. He's like Rage in the cage. Oh, his name is Robbie Rage. So Robbie you gotta get him Rage. to say Rage. Rage in the cage. In the cage. Wasn't even on the card, but that was WCW, man. If there's any thing like their product was white hot but if there was anything to criticize them for it was their the way they did not care for the their pay-per-view ads at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah they probably could have put a little bit more care into those but those some of those are rough especially war games like you want robbie rage in your war games promo like get out of here yeah he's not come on we don't think about him when we think about war games let's get it together wcw which by the way hopefully they it comes back survivor series war games hey. I we talked so. about this in our group chat last yeah. night, uh, yeah. our Fox PHL Gambler Roundtable group chat. We still don't have a name for our group, um, <laughs> our quartet. But, uh, yeah, Survivor Series needs something. And, cause like with this, Triple H, he does the greatest time as any. So he, I'm hoping. He don't care about Survivor Series. <laughs> Hopefully he doesn't. Because nobody does except Vince McMahon. The, the concept of the Survivor Series match Dud, we don't care about it anymore. Might as well make it War Games, a War Game show. And you yeah, could, you could do let's get Raw a WWE versus War Games. SmackDown. Or you could do Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. You can make that work, I think, on the Whatever. main roster. Just Will they do... have a double ring in a big arena for Survivor Series? I don't know, but, man, I would Just, love to see it. We got to shake it up. They do. Got to shake it up. Because the current way they're doing, even when they put champions versus champions, it just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work. I skip Survivor Series almost every year now because yeah. it's, it's an inconsequential <laughs> show. At least if you did, I mean, the the, uh, the brand supremacy stuff is still kind of goofy. But at least if you did a War Games match, I'd be interested. Right. <laughs> I, I'd want to see a War Games match. You know, even if it's un- in, the outcome is inconsequential, there's no benefit to winning. There's no consequences to losing. At least I get to see a, a War Games match along the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Right now we get we we don't get that. So and, uh, I think a, a great and not to spend too much time on this, but a great way to make it feel special again is the winner, the winning team, Raw, SmackDown, whatever. They get the thirty, the spot in the Rumble, and then week to week TV up to the Rumble, you find out who's number thirty. I, but I know they want the surprise too. They haven't done that in a while, but mm. you know, like you know, that's a way to make it feel like it matters. So I, I think. You know, right. we're in July now, so. so I think we'll definitely see a change in this year's Survivor Series. At least I'm hoping uh, with something like I more hope. games. I hope. We need something different. We need, definitely need something different. But we come back from the commercial out on Nitro with another appearance from the Nitro Girls. Oh, who are yeah. out there dancing, they're doing their thing. And then our guy, okay. Das okay. Wonderkin, Alex ah. Wright, comes out to dance with them, dun, dun, which dun, I found dun, hilarious. Dun, 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 Gotta love the dun, Alex Wright. Little bop there, right? He was that man was getting busy, okay? <laughs> getting busy, and then hater ass Mean Gene Oakland yeah, walks just up, trying to beat girls, and right, she's like, "Get the hell over here!" <laughs> Talking about, oh, there's the terrible dance moves, like, as if Gene Oakland could dance. <laughs> you out here doing the Watt Tootsie in the Charleston? Watch out there now. Alex Wright was killing him out there. All right, we hating on Dallas Wonderkin, okay? <laughs> But then, you know, Oakland asked him a question, and Alex Wright yes. answers it in German. <sighs> and Oakland admonishes him <laughs> for dare speaking his la- another language that's not English. Okay. Hey, you're in America, pal. Speak English. That sounds a little bit xenophobic, but that okay. was the world. That was the world. That's still the world, by, by, honestly. 
It's still the world. Gene did <laughs> to that a, a lot, extent. too. <laughs> he did. He went, he, like... He couldn't understand Juventud Carrera during, like, a, a promo after his match, and he was just like, all right, you better talk to somebody else that can understand you. Like, Gene, jeez. <laughs> Damn, me. Gene. And it was a mix of, like, you know, Juventud talking Spanish and it being out of breath from the match because Gene was interviewing him right after the match. So it was a combination of things, and Gene didn't have time for it. It's like, man... Come on. Jeez. Eugene, Oakland, take it easy. Take it easy. <sighs> but uh, to be fair, though, Alex Wright's promo wasn't memorable. <laughs> I don't like, remember what he said. I, it was not first, tremendous. I'll address the fans who like me, and then I'll speak to the fans who I could care less about. It's like, what, what does this mean? Like, can you stop? Like, no. they didn't really say anything of consequence. Yes. Somebody gave him the middle finger, and Gene was like, someone just <laughs> gave you the signal. You're number one. Like. Which I didn't right, know what row, that pal. meant at, at the time. You know, I was like, "What?" I was like, "Wait, Alex Wright has a fan?" Like, <laughs> yeah, I had no idea what no, that meant. <laughs> no, not quite. Not not quite. Not in the same way you're thinking. Um, Alex Wright well, was supposed had, like, to a face plastic foam finger, like number one. Oh, maybe. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Uh, Alex Wright was slated to face Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight Championship at Road Wild. Uh, this is Lionheart Chris Jericho, which is coming back soon, I believe, right? Apparently. Moxley didn't Moxley ask with Lionheart Chris yeah. Jericho on Dynamite? He did. So that's cool. So. Uh, I'm not I'm not mad at that. Uh, his current character is just all over the place. I don't know what the hell we're watching with Chris Jericho these days. <laughs> uh, he's got the group. Uh, they got Conti, They got Anna J. And it's just none of it makes like any going sense. going through what he wants to go through, where, and then he'll eventually return to WWE. That's what it really feels Something, like Something, man, because... That group doesn't make any sense. Just like a hodgepodge of people yeah. who just who just there with Chris Jericho, and it's like it's getting people TV just, time, I guess. But yeah, it's, but it's just there for stuff like blood and guts. I mean, it's not really a group of consequence, and it's just like it a homage like to sports entertainment stuff. It's like right. Okay. It just, like I just feel like he's eventually going to go back to WWE or something. It just doesn't. Yeah, it just I'm not here for the Jericho Appreciation Society, but uh, the Lionheart returned, or at least a, a you know. A, a rekindling of that for a night or two, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't mind that. It's been a long, it's been a long time since we've seen the, the Lionheart Chris Jericho and that type of babyface fire kind of from Chris Jericho. I don't know if we're gonna see babyface fire, but um, that's what he had, you know, as as Lionheart. It'd be interesting. I'm interested. I'll say that much. But the next match is for the WCW World Cruiserweight Championship. Is your champion Alex Wright defending against Scotty Riggs? This is another quick one that Alex Wright won. <laughs> And we go to another commercial. That's <laughs> right. Impressive. There you go. One of the Come better wrestlers they had. Alex Wright was dope. I've always liked Alex Wright. And the dance moves was nice. I'll, I'll right. give it to him for that. <laughs> but we come back from commercial, and it is now time for Hour 2 of Nitro, which is welcomed with a whole heap of fireworks. They set the building on fire just they for did. Hour 2. They did. Right? Replacing Larry Zabisco on commentary now is Bobby the Brain Heenan. He will be on commentary, I believe, the rest of the show. Um, yep. And then Gene Oakland is back for another interview, right? And he mentioned, oh, the Red Wings brought another, another Stanley Cup to Detroit uh, in 1997. Uh, get out of here, Gene. Do you know, yes. Nick, who the Red Wings beat to clinch that Stanley Cup, to secure Lord Stanley's Cup? The Chokers. Who are the chokers? God, man, damn it! That sucks. They I remember. Their I kind of vaguely remember that, bro. <laughs> did they? 
I looked at the scores and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, we got our asses whooped in 97. <laughs> Terry Murray, their head coach at the time, said they choked and he got fired. <laughs> they choked. They got their ass beat, bro. They didn't choke. They were the better uh, team. You know who they lost to? <laughs> They lost to a goddamn juggernaut. I remember. I <laughs> like, to, like not only did we lose four straight, <laughs> not only did we lose four straight, we got decisively beat in four straight. Like we lost one of them games like six to two, yeah. <laughs> like six to yeah. one, yeah. four to uh, one. It was like they was whipping our ass up and down the ice. And it wasn't <laughs> right. like Lindros was hurt. Like he was leading the charge, and this is what we thought the Flyers would be. Now, admittedly, I didn't start watching the Flyers uh, every game until two years later. Then from this point, so 1999, and a couple months before this, it had to be they faced the Rangers in the playoffs. So it was when, whenever that series was, I was at a family gathering. It was like a like a reunion type thing, but it was like extended family that I hadn't seen in a while. And so many people were watching the Flyers game in inside, like on TV. And this was when I was not into it at all so me and my other cousin we were just like outside like with the rest of the family and you know just talking and playing with you know, like the other kids and uh we didn't like know anything about the flyers at the time <laughs> uh but this was like during their cup run and i was like i wasn't even like paying attention much like i paid more attention to the phillies run in 93 than i did the flyers run in 97 so uh it was what it was for us <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was rough. That was rough, man, to see us get us get our asses beat like that. And it's just crazy, I man. The Flyers, they've been to the final once since then, <laughs> like oh, in 2010, and they haven't been yeah. back since. And it's crazy. I've, I I barely remember 97 outside of us losing and the city putting a jersey on William. Yeah. And that was like a curse. <laughs> like you don't yeah. you don't put stuff on William Penn. We haven't done that since the 90s, by the way. Uh, yeah, we have two titles. So how about that? <laughs> Since we stopped doing that. Yeah, that was, it's been wild. But, again, not surprising, though, when you talk about the Red Wings in the late 90s when they had Steve Eisenman and Sergey Fedorov, Chris Osgood, Brendan Shanahan, Link Lindstrom, Nick Lindstrom. <laughs> I got it right the second time. Um, they were juggernauts, and they won it again the next year in another yeah. sweep. Yeah. They beat the Capitals. Capitals right? Yeah, yeah. Washington Capitals with like I think Adam Foot, maybe not, not Adam Foot. Uh, was it Adam Oates? Adam Oates. I think that was yeah. the guy on the Capitals. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, people, Olaf Kolzig. I think was there. Yep, that was a goalie. Yep, and, Olaf Kolzig. Uh, but I don't think Yager was there yet. I think he was still with Pittsburgh. No, he yeah, went to the Capitals. But he did. Um, yeah, he might. Had, no, I don't think he was there. They had some studs, but they weren't the Red Wings studs. No. Not at all. Beating them for how do you win back to back championships and you don't lose a game games. in the final? <laughs> you back to back sweeps? That's hella uh, impressive. That's like dominance at a new level. <laughs> like I ain't never seen them like that before. Like the Warriors ain't done that. The 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 Heat didn't do that. Like the Bulls, the Bulls, Jordan didn't do that. He lost games in the finals pretty much. I don't think he swept anybody. Like they lost they went like five games a couple times and six games. I don't think they went seven with anybody. I think they went six with the, the Jazz multiple times and six with uh, Seattle and six with Phoenix. Either way, the Bulls didn't do it. That's an absurd thing to do, to have back-to-back sweeps and win championships like that. That's crazy. But moving on to Gene Oakland again. He's interviewing the man of the hour, essentially, 
Lex Luger yeah, to promote I, his world title match. And I clipped this because I think it's one of Lex Luger's best promos we've heard in WCW around this time. And I think you'll see what I mean or hear what I mean. All across America right now, people are tuning in TNT. They are turning the volume up because later in this television program, Lex Luger, you're going to be facing the WCW heavyweight champion, Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Your thoughts? No, I've been focusing on one thing and one thing only, and that was Sturgis in a world title match. But, you know, sometimes opportunity knocks when you least expect it. This is the night. There are defining moments in everyone's life, in everyone's career. This is the defining moment for the total package, Lex Luger. This is a defining moment for WCW and the NWO where our paths finally collide. And Hollywood Hogan, I heard you out here spewing your garbage a little bit earlier, but just a short while from now, we're gonna get in the ring. And Hogan, I'll give you one thing and one thing only. I'll give devil his due. Maybe you did make professional wrestling what it is today, but tonight I make history because I guarantee one thing to millions of viewers out there and everyone here in the arena that I'm going to slap you up in the rack and become the new WCW World Heavyweight Champion tonight. Oh, yeah. Lex Luger is ready for Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Tony, let's get back to you. Look at that. Again, just a classic wrestling promo. Tonight, I'm going to beat this guy. <laughs> Simple and straight to the point. Yep. So. But it was good though. Luger was not much of a talker, but he got the job done on this night. So moving on though to just a good old fashioned singles match. We got six versus Chris Benoit. Uh, six is singlet said thug <laughs> on it. <laughs> when I think about thugs, I don't think about Sean Waltman. No. Seems like a pretty nice guy. <laughs> Think of the Wolfpack <laughs> or the NWO. <laughs> Thug. Doing so, thuggish yeah. things. It is nice seeing uh, some wrestlers uh, being good guys. Oh, wow. Just saw on, the, on Twitter that Bill Russell passed away. Oh, no. At 88. So, rest in Not peace to Bill Russell, me. Celtics yeah. NBA legend. Yeah. 11, I think, what, 11 championships as a player and a coach. So, and I think the finals MVP uh, is a award is named after him as well. So, rest yeah. in peace to Bill Russell. Yeah. Rest in peace. So, at 88 years old, long time, lived a long and fruitful life. So, Again, rest in peace to Bill Russell. Breaking news here on the Straight Shooters as we talk about episode of Nitro from 1997. Silly transition back to uh, WCW Nitro. It doesn't matter. <laughs> right. But uh, I will say that um, it was interesting when Six got Benoit in the corner, like in the Tree of Woe, and he did a, like a Bronco Buster type move. And it's like, oh, never seen it done that way before. <laughs> uh, but this match didn't have really an ending because... Jeff Jarrett came out to attack Chris Benoit. And then Mongo came out to attack Jeff Jarrett for attacking Chris Benoit. And then Malenko came out to attack Mongo for attacking Jeff Jarrett, who was attacking Chris Benoit. You keeping track? I think so. <laughs> Am I, did I lose you? I'm, I'm here. 
Bottom line is, things broke down rather quickly. <laughs> <laughs> things escalated real fast. And then we went to commercial break. And when we come yeah. back, we got more Nitro Girls again. Okay. The hardest working people on the show were the Nitro Girls. 100%. But now it's time for another match. It's the black people match. Because we got all the black people in one match here, all right? Throw all the brothers in the one match. We got Vincent. I loved Virgil. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. Remember that one? Yeah, I was going to say Nick's favorite wrestler, <laughs> Vincent slash Virgil, going against Booker T. Of course. One of these guys is a Hall of Famer, and the other is not. <laughs> the other is Booker T. <laughs> okay. The Hall of Famer in your heart. That uh, Virgil clip is from our Royal Rumble 91 deep dive, when uh, probably the highlight of his career when he turned on Ted DiBiase. But we will always have yes, this. I, love I would Virgil. agree. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. Yeah. Literally, I was like, yes. I can tell. I hear it in your voice. I didn't change boy, the channel. Though. I didn't change the channel for this one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if you had changed it, that would have been proper conduct. I would have been against that. Because um, your boy Vincent comes <laughs> out and he immediately does the four life hand sign wrong. <laughs> he does it in the wrong order. L4. He did L four, <laughs> love forever. I don't. Know. <laughs> what are you doing? L four weenie, like whatever the Sandlot thing was. L seven weenie. L seven weenie, baby, a square. That's right. L seven weenie. L <laughs> seven, but he did it wrong. He, you're in the group, bro. You're in the gang. You can't. You can't be in the gang and not do it right. Now you're just messing up the whole vibe. Like, like we're not like on the same page because you out here doing the wrong. You misrepresenting here, <laughs> like, messing it up, man. But uh, again, I, Virgil. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. We also got Stevie Ray here because black. You know, you got to be there too. Um, the only black person not in this match on the roster was like Ernest the Cat Miller. We will see him in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Booker T won in virtually no time. Faster than you can say African-American, and then that was it. <laughs> then they just beat up Vincent after Dude, the match. And my favorite it. part, Stevie Ray is talking crap to the camera. <laughs> and behind him, Booker T is holding Vincent. Stevie Ray turns around and starts beating his ass. <laughs> <laughs> While the commentators are just talking over it. Like, right. <laughs> As we move on here at Nitro, did we talk about Sting yet? And Vincent is in there getting his ass beat. Uh, uh, uh. Meanwhile, <laughs> yeah. it's like the worst part of my night. <laughs> like, no, oh, not Vincent. No. <laughs> because? Not I Vincent. Virgil. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. We move on again. Shout out Gene Virgil. Oakland. Back, back out again. The second hardest working person or group of people on the show was Gene Oakland because he's interviewing everybody. This time, it's time to interview Diamond Diamond Dallas Page. He talked about Randy Savage and Ric Flair. I don't really remember much from this promo. And we go to commercial break. Did you Do you remember anything from this promo? I clipped it, but uh, really it's just him. I'm not, I won't play it. It's basically saying uh, he... Him and Ric Flair had a lot in common. They hate Hogan. They hate Savage. They hate the NWO. 
but the difference between them is uh, he likes Kurt Henning and DDP hates Kurt Henning. So uh, they're going to have a match later on. It's going to be pretty like pretty interesting. I guess it's a good story to follow, but uh, DDP's promos were pretty good back then. I still think that was a good promo, but uh, yeah, just kind of like laying it out in case anyone was confused of why him and Ric Flair, two WCW guys, are going to go against each other. So kudos to him. Yeah, it was a good promo, but it wasn't nothing it to go. It wasn't Virgil, that's for sure. Oh no, L four, live forever. I don't, I don't know. What are you, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> I don't get just it. Just a visual of um, Stevie Ray turning around after he's talking shit to the camera and then beating his ass. <laughs> Booker T's holding him. I was just cracking up. <laughs> such a, such Booker a great T's like, can you stop talking so we can punch this guy that's and beat him up some more? <laughs> That's why we need those tables outside the ring so cameramen can be on top of the tables and not interfere, but still have those moments. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> they were hilarious <laughs> moments. And he just turns right around and punches a guy in the face after talking <laughs> trash to the camera. That is pretty wild. Uh, but we move on to The Barbarian versus Wrath. Sounds or like a horror movie. Adam Bomb versus Sione. From the Sione. Oh, oh, I got you. I got you. No, no, no. The Barbarian versus Wrath sounds like like Godzilla versus Mecha Godzilla. Sounds like a, a horror, like an action horror movie, something like that. The Barbarian versus Wrath. Who will survive? I'll give you uh, My, over under. Did this go three minutes in your mind? Way under three minutes. You're correct. Okay. Two, two minutes and 48 seconds. Okay. I, I, here's what I did about this match. You know what I did during this match? I didn't really watch it too yeah. intently. Okay, <laughs> I will admit that right now. What I did do was listen to Bobby Heenan and clown Reggie Miller during his introduction, during the introductions, and then talk. Think about because WCW is about to run a show in Indianapolis where the Pacers play, and of course Reggie Miller is a Pacers legend, uh, still the best player in Pacers history. But he said, you know, Reggie Miller is welcome to come up to my face at the event and. You know, get in my face if he wants to. And there's no word on whether Reggie Miller took him up on that offer. So we just say that. But <laughs> Reggie Miller at one point was the NBA's all-time leader in three threes made. Now he is fourth, which is should tell you how much the game has changed yeah. <laughs> since he retired. Just a bit. Because Reggie Miller is one of the best shooters of all time. And in my childhood, Reggie Miller was the best shooter. Like, <laughs> like he was the yeah. guy. Right? You, you, Reggie Miller could shoot the lights out. Right? But now he is fourth because people just shoot a lot more threes and they hit threes. Um, but two of the three people ahead of him are active. <laughs> so wow. it's, it's going to get worse for Reggie Miller. Steve, Steph Curry, of course, is number one. Number three on the list right now. Do you know who number three is? Well, number two is Ray Allen. Number two is Ray okay. Allen. Do you know okay. who number three is? Uh, number three, uh, active, right? So I, yep. I don't know. I guess... I'm probably not correct here, uh, LeBron. Nope, I don't think so. Um, give me the uh, give me the state. I, was gonna, I might give it away. Uh, Pennsylvania. Oh. <laughs> no clue. Can't be Harden, can it? No clue. Yeah, it's James Harden. No, really? <laughs> he he oh, shoots okay. a lot of threes. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. The game has changed drastically over the last 25 years. I wouldn't have thought he was in the top four one or two threes again. without looking. I would not have thought that. Interesting. People shoot a lot more threes nowadays, man. Yeah. They, they've, they've been shooting him for a long time, so he, he's racked up a lot, and he's fourth. He's currently third all time 
Uh, he's 200 away from passing Ray Ray Allen for second. He made a, he made 148 last season, so he oh, can wow. potentially get to 200 if he plays a, most of the schedule, I would assume. Um, but yeah, Reggie Miller was a lethal shooter. Like he was, he, the game was different he, back then. And those don't include playoff threes, right? I'm not totally sure about that. I don't know that, why they, they separate the stats like that. I, I, I think they should, when they talk total career, I, I think playoffs should be included. But I understand that they probably don't because not every team makes the playoffs. So like, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, if you're talking career, shouldn't that matter? But here we are. It matters, you know. It can help. It can help a Hall of Fame case. Yeah, you know, because people people don't just ignore the postseason success, but then they just like say, "Hey, he has, he's made this many like, playoff threes. It's like, well, why can't right. you just put them together? Like that's the only and reason se- why, like a Julian, like, like a Julian Edelman is considered like pe- like the conversation last year around right. Julian Edelman when he retires, like, is he a Hall of Famer? It's like, hell no, he's not a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he won this many Super Bowls. He's the most. He's at the most receiving yards and. I think postseason history. I think Julian Edelman has the most receiving yards in postseason history. Oh, he's up there. He's high on that list, above like a Jerry Rice. <laughs> like wow. he's got because he's played in that many playoff games with the Patriots, obviously. However, when have you ever said Julian Edelman is one of the best receivers in football? He's not. No, <laughs> like he was. No. That's never the case. Really talented, but Hall of Famer. Stop it. Okay, I don't think even Julian Edelman would be like, yeah, I'm a Hall of Famer. I'd be like, yeah, I had a good career. <laughs> like <laughs> I did. I think I'd probably. Probably, um, I'll take this coverage. He's a little guy. He wasn't even a, he was a quarterback in college, I believe. And he played really well at receiver for a long time. Won the championships, won multiple championships. Is in commercials. I think he's pretty good with where he is. But I think that's why they separate the two. Because at least his regular season and sustained regular season success when you play more games is more of an indicator of how good yeah, this I guy mean, was. Like, why not just do total and then. That's fair. Regular season and like you could all do it in the same graphic. I, I just don't. I don't know why they don't. Mm. You know why it's like that. I don't know. Whatever. Like I said, uh, Steph Curry, by the way, is again active and he already has the record. <laughs> no, he like, already has it. The league and could he's go not... to only three point shooting, and I still don't think anyone would catch up to him. Right. He he's he's still really 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 good, as you saw in the finals and he had to remind people hey i'm one of the best in the world at this and he won a finals mvp and now what are you going to say about steph curry at this point when he was just styling on him barely been in game six he's been in the league since like oh oh nine i think oh nine okay so like he still could have like 10 more years yeah he's been in the league since like oh nine ten he's like early 30s but as a shooter he can play for a while yes as a shooter exactly he could play for a lot longer than uh, some other players who can't shoot as well so you know Guys like there's plenty of guys who just shot the ball and they played in the league for a long time, um, but he's already got the lead three thousand one hundred and seventeen. Uh, Ray Allen two thousand nine hundred and seventy three. Harden again two hundred behind or almost two hundred behind uh, two thousand five hundred ninety three and Reggie Miller in fourth twenty two thousand five hundred and sixty. Again, that's what I did during this match. Wrath won in uneventful fashion. I didn't care. <laughs> and Mingden came out, defended Barbarian from Wrath beating on Barbarian more, and Wrath just walked away like you know he's he cooler heads prevailed, and that was that. I spent the time in this match looking up the NBA three point record. That's what I was looking up, which probably took you longer match. than the actual match. Yeah, I had to pause it to figure <laughs> it out, do the crunch the numbers. You know what I'm saying? But then we move on. We got Gino Oakland back out again. 
Now he's introducing Michigan's own the Steiner brothers who and come I, out, who bring out their surprise. And I clipped the whole thing because I think the entire thing is pretty hilarious. So we're off. Here in Detroit, two of Michigan's favorite sons are with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Scott, the Steiner brothers. <laughs> and these fans don't even know what we have heard earlier about the possible blockbuster announcement. Wait, just wait, just wait. Uh-oh. Would you look at this? It was true. Whoa. Can you? Oh, we haven't heard, we haven't heard from Ted, Ted DiBiase in months. Ted DiBiase? That's what we had heard. And we didn't believe it. And now he is walking literally through I love how oh, they an say, if you had the internet, you knew about this. <laughs> <laughs> Go get the internet. But of course, I did not have the internet at this time. What are you doing here tonight? Yeah, what you doing here? I've been on the inside of the NWO looking out, and now I've been on the outside of the NWO looking in. And there's an old cliche that says, Spring Stampede was his last appearance in NWO. For the trees, you gotta back up, take a deep breath, and take a look at the big picture, and take a look at what's really important. You know, Gene Okerlund, that I grew up in professional wrestling, that my father died in the ring in July of 1969, and I vowed then. Iron Mike DiBiase. Become a star in this business. I did that, but somewhere along the way, I lost track of the things that were really important. I got caught up flying around in Lear jets and limousines and being a big wheel. I hope I that wasn't courtesy of the Mississippi Welfare Fund. Every man has his price, but what that is is every man pays a price for the choices that he makes. This is a perfect promo. Choices. Well, that Baby face is promo by Tim. Buck stops here. You have seen the air in your ways, Mr. DiBiase. Exactly, Gene. Now, that's a hard pill to swallow. And I don't expect the Steiner brothers to just accept me on blind faith. I've got to prove myself to them and to everybody else. And we start at Sturgis Saturday. I start tearing down what I helped build in the NWO by ripping the heart out of the NWO and taking... The world wrestling. What? Oh, the what? No. The what? <laughs> world wrestling who? <laughs> world wrestling council? <laughs> Gene saved his ass. <laughs> real, real, he really did. The what titles? <laughs> the world wrestling what? <laughs> you can even see his lips. They go like they, he's about to say F. <laughs> Stopped himself. All hail the outsiders. <laughs> you can answer them if you want. Gene <laughs> no giving him permission. Like everybody here in Michigan, we know that the Einsteiners <laughs> are really good. I always loved him saying Einsteiners. Crack me up. But Hall and Nash were better than. 
And these gold belts prove it. Ain't lying. I think the bit man is going to talk. Hey, DiBiase! <laughs> this goes out to you, pumpkin head! Then <laughs> 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 they show a close-up of DiBiase's head. We said we were Hilarious. for life. We meant it. You must not understood the for life part. Because at this point, you join the Steiners, you're a dead man. Whoa. Petty. Listen, you two knuckleheads, remember one thing. I know more about you two than anybody else, and they're going to know it when they climb in the ring. You can bet your bottom dollar. Everybody knows the only reason the Steiners got you is so they had somebody to read the menus when they're on the road. Wow. <laughs> Evan Nash is trifling. Ah, there we go, Ted. There we go. <laughs> Finally got it. You forgot where you were. You remember where you were, Teddy? Also, that Kevin Nash line, bro. Dude. Damn. I didn't know what it meant at first. And then, you know, it's just like, oh, he doesn't, he thinks they're stupid and dumb. Ha, ha, ha. Read menus on the road. Why would anyone need to read a menu on the road? And like, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. But I do now. That's a hilarious line. Yeah. <laughs> Not surprised it came from Kevin Nash. To read the menus on the road. And then, That's like, really Gene good. was just disgusted. Like, all right, enough of this. Right, you know, they're throwing insults now. <laughs> that was really funny. That's what that was. <laughs> I'm surprised. You need to laugh at that. That's too funny. You know, they, they were in Detroit for another Nitro earlier, and, you know, they played up Kevin Nash's hometown, but they didn't play this up. Was, and he barely, he didn't really appear. That was his only appearance, and then in the main event. So, we're, we're not, this isn't about Kevin Nash tonight. <laughs> no. No, it's not. It's about Hulk Hogan and Lex Luger. Even though, yes, Kevin Nash is also from Michigan. It's also about Didn't the even acknowledge it. Collect Road Report. Yeah, with Lee Marshall. Did, did you did you listen to this at all? Do you pay attention to this stuff? I did a little bit. He is apparently in Denver for a traveling Nitro party. And Denver was the next place that Nitro was going to be set. But I, had, I didn't listen to it otherwise we, than what he actually this said. This is my favorite part. Of those 1-800-COLLECT road reports. But right now we're going to take you on the run on behalf of 1-800-COLLECT. Hello, Kimberly. Let's go to Lee Marshall. Hey, Tony. It's good to know we're only halfway through this very special three-hour Nitro as our traveling Nitro party in Denver is through the Cherry Creek area. We're counting down, of course, the road wild Saturday in Sturgis. But the WCW faithful here in Denver already mile high with excitement because next Monday Nitro comes from the Denver Coliseum. Now, fans... Do not be left out of the excitement. Get your Nitro tickets at the Coliseum box office with the ticket outlet first thing tomorrow. You know, guys, Denver's the home to the Rockies, the Broncos, Nuggets, and Avalanche. Of course, there's the Denver Mint. And one of the big attractions is a museum totally dedicated to Buffalo Bill. There used to be a place dedicated to someone named Whippy Weasel, but, but nobody ever went there. What? one road report from Denver. I'm Lee Marshall for 1-800-COLLECT. <laughs> hey, Lee, Man. why don't you climb Pike Peak and jump off? 
<laughs> oh, damn. And jump off. Damn, Bobby. My favorite parts is Lee Marshall always getting a dig in at Bobby Heenan using Weasel in some way. And then Bobby Heenan's <laughs> reply, he replies to him like when Lee hangs up or, you know, that <laughs> it ends. And he's Heenan always has a quip. And it's just one of my favorite parts. And I totally forgot about that when I was like watching old Nitros. And I'm so glad they keep them in because I crack up every single time. I didn't know it was like a dig at Bobby Heenan, but now you oh, mentioned yeah. it. He was always the weasel. Yeah. He would wear the weasel costumes when he would yep. lose matches. So, yeah, that makes sense. I didn't even think about that. And, yeah, it was presented by 1 800 Collect, which great 90s <laughs> still use product. That? Oh, yeah, from time to time, you know, <laughs> you know, every now and then. Not every day, though, or ah. nothing like that, you know. But we move on to Psychosis versus. K-Dog, Conan, who is, of course, in the New World Order. And he got a mention from Rey Mysterio this past Monday during his 20th anniversary celebration. And you mentioned K-Dog, and that's pretty cool. Uh, Psychosis is out with uh, Sonny Ono. but uh, got to mention that earlier. But K-Dog and Rey Mysterio are going to be opponents at Road Wild this coming Saturday, the following Saturday. Not this coming Saturday. <laughs> Road Wild is not happening next Saturday. In 2022, um, unfortunately, Conan has no. yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, right. That, that's that's okay. I can go without it actually. Um, but Conan's going up against all the luchadors at this point. He quickly beat the hell out of Psychosis with the Tequila Sunrise. Uh, the matches are flying by at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mysterio comes out on crutches to get him some of of Conan. And I was like, well, that's, he, he, you know, he's hurt. And that's not smart unless you're playing possum, <laughs> which is exactly what Rey Mysterio was doing. He hits uh, Conan with the crutch, and we head to another commercial break. Rey wasn't the best on the mic at this point. What do you call yourself? You're Rey Mysterio. What? Ray Mysterio, right? Are you Ray Dog? <laughs> like what? Like, right, K Dog versus Ray Dog. I'm gonna find out what to call like, myself, and then just that's it. That's like the end what? of it. And by the way, this was only a month or so after Ray had surgery on his knee and came back. I think he had mentioned before he would come back too early from his knee injuries, which mm. caused so many issues with his knees uh, throughout the years. And this was one of those times he had a match with Conan at Road Wild, but like. You know, he wasn't healthy at this point for, for a while. You know, even in the Filthy Animals, like he just, his knees weren't great. So he had that stem cell, uh, you know, treatment, and his knees are a lot better today than they were then. But, yeah, it's just interesting that, you know, he came back this early just for Road Wild. Like, really? <laughs> right? Like, Hey, on. man, I guess he's trying to get on pay-per-view, man, even if it was Road Wild, the goofy show that is. <laughs> But we come back from commercial break, and we see a Raw is weak sign. Yeah. Oh, snap. They got him. It's funny how that's an evergreen sign today. Like, <laughs> use that sign yeah, pretty much. at any point. <laughs> Raw be weak sometimes. Okay? But we move on to Damien and Silver King going up against the two baddest men on the planet, ah. Glacier and Ernest the Cat Miller. Because yeah. if this is real life... They would be kicking people's heads smooth off their shoulders. Yeah, they would. But this ain't real life. 
So it's a little different. The snow, uh, they're doing the choreographed moves together. It's a little different. But in real life, people would be getting their ass handed to them on a weekly basis on Nitro. <laughs> It'd be Monday Night Glacier and Ernest Miller. It wouldn't be nobody else. No Hogan or nothing. Just them two in a pile of bodies that they discarded of <laughs> right next to them. But this match was mostly forgettable, like a lot of matches are on the show, except for Ernest and Cat Miller's amazing spin kick off the top rope. Did you see that? Yes. You like jumped Dude, to the top like rope, awesome. did a 180, and then did a spinning like heel kick and kicked the hell out of, oh man, was it Damien? I forget who it was. He kicked the hell out of somebody off the top rope. Yeah, it was Damien. I was like, wow, that was amazing, but that was it. That's Should all I got. Ref. <laughs> ref, jeez. <laughs> you know this referee violence. All refs are bastards. No, just kidding. Jeez. <laughs> so after the match, it started snowing again. It's like they can control oh. the climate in the building. In Detroit? In August? Apparently. I'm sorry. The he's Glacier. It, it's cold Hills, wherever he goes. Is that where it is? Auburn Hills? Yes. Technically. Auburn Hills, a suburb of Detroit. Yes. Mm. So there you go. Uh, but we didn't go to commercial break. Oh. Instead, we see, we hear the NWO's music, and out comes Eric Bischoff blowing kisses. Right, he's blowing kisses. He's bowing down to people, and the announcers just hated his guts. Don't, don't come over here. If he comes over here, you stay here. Oh, I can't. Oh, thank God he's going down to the ring. <laughs> they couldn't stand him. <laughs> couldn't stand Eric Bischoff, right? He gets to the ring and he comes out. He talks trash about Larry Zabisco, and he, then he summons J.J. Dillon, and he then threatened to sue the Giant if he ever touched him again, <laughs> and then threatened to kick Larry Z in the mouth if he ever touched him again. But he wouldn't sue him though. He, he won't sue, him. sue Larry. He, just, he won't do that he, to him. He'll just he kick just him. beat him up. He can't beat up the Giant. Obviously, that's his only his only recourse is to sue. Right. You know. Right. Um, but Larry Zabisco, I guess he felt like he can beat up Larry Zabisco, so. I could just fight him, and then we go to commercial break. I like how they planted the seed for Starcade a little early. Right, in August. I, I do find it a bit questionable on WCW's end to uh, really put all your eggs in the basket of a commentator for Nitro. You know, like, why does Larry Zabisco, the one to... Yeah, that's really that's a really eggs, silly decision. He, he holds all the eggs he's, in WCW's He's the key... Basket. To WCW turning the momentum around. It's yeah. Larry Zabisco. Yeah. Which so he won. Like it's Brock I mean, Lesnar. Like he won. Maybe he should have lost and WCW would still be alive today. Who knows? <laughs> but it's like it's not like it's like an older wrestler who's active. It's, he's clearly <laughs> retired. Yeah. And this is the best guy we got to like turn the momentum? That's sad. What does that say about the rest of your roster? WCW match. It's like 93 or 94 or something like that. Right. It's so. not like... Larry Zabisco is ancient. It's just that he's retired. <laughs> he's out here in a polo and pleated slacks. Like he's not in wrestling time. He's on. I am enjoying post wrestling lifetime, and that's a storyline. He was the best guy until Sting showed <laughs> they, up. <laughs> they don't trust Sting enough, to right. Put their eggs in his basket. But the Larry, next, the next guy is Larry Zabisco. That's the next guy, <laughs> or Lex Luger. That's it. Giant, maybe. Eh. Maybe. We still can't fully trust him. <laughs> he did that monster truck match a couple, week, couple years ago. We still can't really trust him and his judgment. <laughs> can't trust his judgment. 
<laughs> he makes poor decisions. But he did survive. Pretty he did survive. Fall, so. He did. He's indestructible, apparently. So that that counts for something. Um, but yeah, that's that that's that's the segment, and we come back from commercial break for the start of hour three, which brings us more fireworks, Pyro. baby. Oh yeah. For all three hours, we got some fireworks. And the Nitro girls are dancing. They're on the announcer set, though. The announcers can barely talk. They can yeah, like, oh, yeah. just, 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 don't, just don't go. Stay here. They, <laughs> they wound up changing the channel. Yeah. <laughs> themselves. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of there before somebody tried to do some improper conduct to one I, I would change the channel a couple times during this match because uh, of a scene. So, Boy, oh, boy. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. I next turn match. back and I see DDP roll up Kurt Henning in a small package. Oh my god. The next so. match is Diamond Dallas Page versus Ric Flair. Again, Kimberly was on the ramp holding up holding up the diamond symbol for symbol for her man, DDP. Uh before Ric Flair came to the ring, he shook Kurt Henning's hand. Uh so that was more, you know, uh, you know Building. smoke to that fire. See yeah. yeah. Watering that plant a little bit more. Uh but of course Ric Flair is having his quote unquote final match his last match oh, yeah. as we record this tonight on july 31st 2020 we're recording this on the morning and now afternoon 2022 2022 of course yeah wow, should have been 2020 go... that would have been better it should have been in 1999 probably <laughs> something like that <laughs> should have been in 2008 um but here we are in 2022 True. True and that. he's still still at it um but did you see the clip from his roast the other night, uh, a few, not many. Uh, I somebody uh, had like a thread going of things being said, and uh, I was reading some of that, but I didn't pay close attention to it yeah, at well, all. Arash Markazi has a clip of Brad Nestler, who I believe was the Roastmaster, which is a pretty big name. Like I forgot Ric Flair. Sometimes Roast you forget Master that he's General? something like that. Yeah, yeah. But you forget that Ric Flair can has very famous friends. Uh, and Brad Nestle, of course, he's I, I've known him from calling college football games back in the day. But that Chris Jericho line was something what was, else. What was your touchdown call? My touchdown call? Yeah. For when I called football games? Yeah. I would just say touchdown IUP or something like that. <laughs> like, uh, you didn't I didn't go have nuts. a specific call. I would, but like I would put more emphasis into to it besides what I did, you know, but... Uh, it, I didn't have a specific call that I would go to for my touchdown. I didn't try to coin a phrase uh, or something like that. You want to go like T O U C H down? Nothing like that. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Not saying that's my call. Just, just okay. wondering. No, we don't really no, talk no. about that. So, by your commentary yeah. days. I mean, I'm welcome. I'm open to. It's just yeah, I haven't talked about it. But no, I didn't have okay. a specific uh thing i was trying to get over there okay. um but yeah i don't know if you heard brad nestler's call a joke about jericho and his wife uh saying that the I panel so. that they had on stage for the roast was whiter than if it was any more white they'd be trying to storm the Capitol together or something like <laughs> that. that and it's like good lord because for one that says a lot of things for one that panel must have been very white that's not good <laughs> yeah two number one yeah yeah, and it, he brought up, and he mentioned Jericho's wife too. Like Jericho's wife, Jericho's right. wife tried to storm the Capitol with him or something like that too. That are we confirming that Jericho's wife was at the Capitol? Like, is that a thing that everybody knows for sure now? Okay, it's gotta be uh, on January sixth. <laughs> also, it's just kind of weird that we still kind of make a light of it. Um, at least yeah. 
knowing that from the sense that we know that somebody who's here, their wife was there and was a maybe she didn't try to storm it, but she was there to supporting a cause that really didn't need support. That the election was over. <laughs> like yeah. y'all here mad about not something that y'all shouldn't be mad about. Um, because it was done deal. I mean, they were ratifying that day, they were certifying, I should say, that day. But after that day, it was over. So, right. It wasn't really that big of a much of a laughing matter, though. Really, and like, like, I, like I understand, like the joke was funny. Don't get me wrong; it was a quality joke. It's just knowing that the joke is about somebody's wife being there, being a part of it, the festivities, so to speak, or the insurrection, or the riot, whatever you want to call it. I don't Which, know. If I'm you know she probably still doesn't call it that. A lot of them still right. don't call it that. But it, like, so it's like, can we please get on the same page? Like, like it was that an insurrection. Was, it was. Uh, Really, a, a a a sad day in the history of this country. Right, you know? it, it it should be right. a hella serious thing that is universally frowned upon. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people like a Jack Del Rio who thinks, yeah. who tries to minimize it, minimize it, and say it was just oh, it was just a dust up. Are you wild? People died that day. Homegirl, one girl got shot in the neck and died mm-hmm. trying to. So how can even for, if and look, she was a part of the crowd that was trying to run in there. But like, even if you are on her side, you can't sit there and say it was just a dust up. Tell that to her family. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, tell that to her family. Did, did they think it was a dust up? I don't know, man. People don't usually die during dust ups. So, I don't know. That's just my little side there. Uh, DDP power bombed the hell out of Ric Flair at one point. Uh, that looked pretty wild. Kurt uh, Henning comes out. As we go to commercial break, when we come back from commercial break, before we go back to the match, we get a commercial for from the NWO hawking some merchandise. <laughs> All they added yeah. was for life on the bottom of their logo. Right. <laughs> get the, get the new merch, y'all. And people bought it for 20 bucks. People were buying that. Vincent can't wear it, though. No, he can't even do it right. I love Virgil. I was like, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. Like, this guy's awesome. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, DDP had Fli- Ric Flair in the figure four. Kurt Henning tried to intervene, yeah. but DDP yeah. somehow rolled him up in a schoolboy while he was applying yeah. the figure forward. Yeah. That was impressive. Yeah, I um, turned back to see that. Yeah, my God, uh, Kurt Henning <laughs> eventually. <laughs> By the way, that power bomb you had mentioned earlier—that was probably the most impressive move in that match. I was like, "Holy crap!" Right, that you know, was you don't wild. See Flair move like fall on his back that much, so right. that definitely hurt. And yeah, it was that... a very, very. Uh, impressive move by DDP. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Kurt Henning tried to interfere again, but the referee <laughs> called for the bell. The DDP was like, bring it on, and yeah. fought both of them, and then beat them both up. He did. Pretty good night for DDP. And then we go to commercial with another ad for Road Wild. Ah. But when we come back, it is time for another tag Nitro. team match, uh, player. No Nitro Girls. No Nitro Girls this time. Bummer. It's time for Los Los Vianos. Oh my God, Los Vianos, Viano four and five, going against Hector Garza and Liz Mark Jr. And Hector Garza, that sounds familiar, right? Well, he's a yeah. Mexican wrestling legend, working for both AAA and CMLL. But he's got a he's got a pair of famous nephews out here, or wrestling nephews. I don't know if they're famous necessarily, but they're they're in the big time. They're in WWE. We got Angel Garza and Humberto Humberto Carrillo. Are his nephews, of course, they're collectively known as Los Lotharios in WWE. They are real life cousins. So How about that, there you got Angel Garza and Humberto Carrillo. Of course, Hector Garza unfortunately passed away uh, mm-hmm. some time ago. Uh, but yeah, Garza, Angel Garza, and 
Carrillo keeping the family tradition alive. So that's nice to see. Always like um, the, them hyping up the corkscrew plancha by Hector Garza. That was always the highlights of his matches. Yeah, he was dope back in the day, man. Nobody else so, did that. Rest in peace to Hector Garza. Mm-hmm. But uh, at one point, Bobby Heenan talking about the Vianos, he said, most families, they raise their kids. They don't give them numbers because, <laughs> of course, the Vianos are a family of wrestlers that go by Viano 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> That's, they are a legitimate family of wrestlers. Uh, I think they're all like brothers and uncles and cousins or something like that. Uh, the, the match itself was decent. Uh, the the Vianos lived up to their name, the, the villains, right? So they use the old switcheroo to help them pick up the win, which caused Bobby Heenan to say, Viano 37, switch with Viano 38. And Viano, Viano number 168 wins the match. <laughs> so, Bobby Heenan, man. It's a lot of kids. It's a lot of people. Lot of people. That's, a, that's a big family. Right. Yeah. That's a big family, man. Don't mess with those Vianos out there uh, in Mexico. But moving on. Mean Gene Oakland is back in the ring. He's working, hardest working man in show business. Him <laughs> and the Nitro Girls. He's in there with J.J. Dillon. And they're going to talk about Sting. Ah. J.J. Dillon has a contract in hand to offer Sting. You didn't clip this? Nope. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Sting descends from the rafters to to check it out or just read whose name is on it. And J.J. Dillon, silly, like a silly goose that he was, said, here, Sting, I'm going to offer you not Hulk Hogan, Kurt Hennig. It's like... (laughs) Didn't he already? Don't you know who he want to face? Why are you doing this? You know full well he didn't want to face Kurt Henning. Why are you doing this? Why are you playing games, JJ? Why are you Meanwhile, playing games? it makes Kurt Henning look good because he's like, yeah, I'll face Sting. <laughs> Even though he's like a quasi-heel and right. sometimes face. He's like, yeah, I'll take all the Sting. Like you, why are you trying to play him like that? <laughs> Sting looks at the name. It doesn't say Hulk Hogan. <laughs> he immediately rips up the contract and leaves. And then Gene Oakland begs Sting to stay. Please, Sting, yeah. please. WSW and the fans, we need you. Please, Sting. And he's just like, nah, they acting stupid. Because they are. They know who I want. Why y'all playing? I could be beating up Hulk Hogan tonight, but y'all playing. Literally, the first sign that Sting showed what side he was on, he pointed at Hogan. He bad? pointed at Hogan <laughs> when Rodman was there. That right. We just did that, that a couple, not that long ago. Was that Slamboree? That was uncensored. Yeah. Uncensored so. in March, he pointed at Hogan already. Why are we still doing this song and dance with Kurt Henning? <laughs> Come on! And then they would you know do it again, like for six. You know, JJ was like, "Here, I got a member of the NWO. It's six. And it's like, "What the hell are you doing here, man?" <laughs> I understand it dragging it out. You got to get it to December yeah. if you want to do yeah. that Starcade. But it kind of looks silly when he's pointed the bat at Hogan, right? And JJ Dillon's like, "I'll give him an opponent, <laughs> Vincent." <laughs> like, what are you doing? You could you could have did better. You could have did better if you pointed at if you gave him Dennis Rodman as an opponent. At least Dennis Rodman was next to Hogan. Right. You could have said, "Well, I'll give him Dennis Rodman. That's a bigger celebrity name. You know, he's a mainstream yeah, star. Like, give him Dennis Rodman. You could just use his name. Like, you're in August. The basketball season hasn't started yet. Like, why not? You could make right. it believable, no. a little more believable. But he gave him Lenny Lane. Like, what are you? <laughs> what, bro? What are you talking? What are you doing? <laughs> I didn't. I don't want this. Here's your opponent, Scott DeBoer. Right, Scotty Riggs. <laughs> what? 
And this would be Sting's Bro, I'm about to hit you with a baseball bat, JJ. <laughs> what are you doing? Why do you keep playing me like this? I'll tell you, I Sting's only appearance dumb. on the show. So, interesting. He didn't celebrate. Moving on. He didn't oh, celebrate. Well, why would he? That's true. Why would he? Honestly, he knew it was going to happen. It's like, hey, this plan's dude. Hogan going to win that title back. I ain't celebrating. <laughs> they being dumb. They know who I want. Why are they acting stupid? Now they're going to get the ass whooped for like four more months until I finally get my match probably. <laughs> like, how many more people does he have to beat? They're finally going to know after Halloween Havoc. Like, come on. Yeah, you're going to know for sure. <laughs> Pointed to bat at him in March. That was already five months prior to this. That's a long time. That's a lifetime in wrestling. It is. Still don't know who he wants. But okay. Moving on. <laughs> Dylan says he needs to figure out what Sting wants for some reason. It's not hard to figure out. I think it was obvious by this point. He's like, I'll figure out what he wants. Meanwhile, the crowd's chanting Hogan every week. Right. (laughs) I mean, I will say at the same time, though, it didn't make for good television because you just didn't know what was going to happen next or when it was going to be resolved. It was just like this ongoing thing. There were times the commentators would go, he clearly wants Hogan. So they they would at least acknowledge that side that we knew, that they knew. Uh, but for some reason, J.J. Dillon didn't know for a while. So. <laughs> right, for some reason. He should not be in that job if he can't. By the way, he, we did. He can't miss the obvious. Yeah, exactly. We did deep dive the last can't Clash of the, the Champions. Um, when he finally, I guess it was known to everybody. This was later in August where that vulture came. And it was supposed to drop off a paper that said Hogan while the NWO was celebrating their birthday in the ring. And we did a deep dive on that Clash of the Champions. And uh, so it's kind of, we're going backwards a little bit here. But they knew by the end of August who the hell Sting wanted. And they still kind of drug it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was wild. That was wild. Um, but moving on, we see another performance Okay, by the Nitro Girls. That's right. They are working hard on Big this Big-ass t-shirts. No pun intended. Monday Nitro Big-ass t-shirts. <laughs> you don't like the big-ass t-shirts? Uh, did you, did you change the channel on that? They were fine. I did. Okay. We go. Well, actually, I think it was Michael over Buffer by that again, point, so I couldn't change the channel. Okay. That's Plus, nice. I didn't want to change the channel hour. during the match. That's true. That's not a you know, like three-hour DDP uh, and Flair. I could change it, but Luger and Hogan. When I know Luger wins the title, I can't change that. Right. Right. But you, there, there wasn't a three-hour uh, Skinamax show. I'm sure there was. So. But you know, <laughs> I don't know. it was all about business at this point. All about business at this point. <laughs> Making sure I didn't that business miss is anything about this match, even the entrances. No, that that business is for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. It is Hollywood Hulk Hogan defending against Lex Luger, who I do not recall was billed from Chicago at yeah. various points. I always thought it was Atlanta, GA. It's Lex Luger, y'all. <laughs> that's funny yeah i didn't even think of that so I, I and obviously I've, I've watched a lot a lot of lex luger over the years i just don't recall him a being lot from of chicago lex luger luger y'all from atlanta ga <laughs> from japan he didn't even say Yoko georgia Zuna. he said ga that's hilarious ga goof donnie Wahlberg. uh <laughs> 
But here we are. Uh, it is the time. It is the biggest match of the night. Obviously, it's one of the biggest matches they've been promoting. They've been promoting all year. Uh, it is the world title, Lex Luger versus Hulk Hogan, on the 100th episode of Nitro. We've had multiple promos. We're here, and Hulk Hogan is whooping all kinds of ass in this match. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's beating the hell out of Lex Luger. We go to commercial break. We come back, and it's more of the same. Hulk Hogan is just beating the daylights out of Lex Luger and even hits him with the leg drop. Boom. But unlike Starcade, where he just beat Sting, <laughs> still just mind-numbing Maybe how stupid Anderson would have done, done the right thing and did the fast count, unlike Nick Patrick. But Instead of that, here we are. Lex Luger kicks out of the leg drop, right? Which is like, whoa, right? And then he finally, like, he suddenly finds the strength to not only fight off Hogan, but he fought off Kevin Nash and Scott Hall and, and Randy the actual Savage. high-profile NWO people, not, you know, the right. jobbers. <laughs> right. Not Vincent, not Scott Norton, none of those guys. No, oh, Scott the, Norton, the top guys. That's not, that's not, that's not talk crap about Vincent. Come on. I loved Virgil. I was like, yes, like, this guy's awesome. Here we go. Here we go. Lex Luger even hit Hogan with the forearm. Of course, the forearm has a metal plate in it. So like Hogan went nuts. Right, Hogan is rocking. He is feeling a little woozy here, like Scream, right? you never seen Scream. Jeez. I saw Scream. You lie. You didn't I did. see Scream. When? Yeah, like years and years ago. Not recently, oh, but I, I watched it. Well. Is Woozy the, uh, the guy under the mask? I'm going to just move on from that, Nick. Okay. Pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> Woozy, the guy under the mask. Yeah. It's like one of the more iconic lines in the movie that I just quoted there. Oh. But okay. And the guy gets stabbed multiple times. He's bleeding out. And he's like, <laughs> I'm feeling a little woozy here. So, uh, you know, at the end, Matthew Lillard. Gotcha. Gotcha. I do remember right. that. Okay. <laughs> it's just been like 20-some years since I watched it. That's fair. That's fair. But Hogan is rocked. He's stumbling around, and then Luga signals for the torture rack, and the crowd erupts. Hit it, Nick. Luger stacking them like cornwood. Luger <laughs> 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 Savage. Love it. Slap him up in the rack, Lex. They're going nuts. I'm getting goosebumps, man. Every time I hear this. Incredibly, 
Regulation time in the Motor City. Nuts. It was the rack, guys. Be more perfect. Incredible job by everybody involved there. Man, I get goosebumps every time I watch that and every time I hear that. I can literally, like, mimic that just from memory. I'm not going to, but I could. (laughs) (laughs) So, needless to say, it was a joyous night in the Pacone household (laughs) between improper conduct and Lex Luger winning the title. It was a great night. I had Lex Luger's title win on one tape and improper contact on the same one. My God. How about that? (laughs) After the match, of course, you hear the the fans are going crazy, throwing babies in the air type of thing. (laughs) Uh, WCW finally had a win. Finally. It only been a year. And it finally, hey, they did something. (laughs) Look at that. It only lasted five days. But, (laughs) hey, man, it was a moment. It was a moment. He didn't even make it to TV with the title, right? Uh, the, the fellow WCW wrestlers, they come out from the locker room. They did like a bunch of slubs celebrating with Lex Luger. Uh, they come out and they go, oh, yeah, Lex Luger, yay. Uh, Lex holds up the title upside down throughout his celebration. <laughs> it's been, never, it was, it was been, it's been a while. So they, they never got it right for him, though. You can see the first time he hold it up is upside down. But like eventually, like, hey, hold it the right way. They just never did. They just... <laughs> right. Let him hold it upside down the whole time. Uh, and we didn't, we didn't go to the announcers who recapped the night. They all think is that, that WCW is turning the tide against the NWO. Finally, they were wrong. We've got a couple more months of this. A couple more years, see, really, of this. When they were in the ring, you see Luger leave Dean Malenko hanging. I did not. Everyone I missed was, that. Like, celebrating, high-fiving him, and then Malenko goes, good job, and he... Like Lex Luger obviously doesn't see him, but it's a funny visual. It's a funny visual <laughs> really where Malenko, like, he totally gets stiffed. That's hilarious. That's that's, that's not right. Poor Dean Malenko. <laughs> Poor Dean. Shout out He's to like, Dean this Malenko. is why I don't have friends. Damn it. But <laughs> hello, darkness, my old friend. You just get love hanging in the front of the world. But we go backstage again. Lex Luger is in a locker room in the middle of a celebration, complete with a whole lot of bubbly. A little bit of the bubbly, as Chris Jericho would say. A lot of champagne is flowing. And I need more scenes like this in wrestling. I always like yes. the locker room celebrations. Yes. We used to get them back in the day a lot. You know, when Rick, Rick Steamboat won a title or Flair won a title back in 83 and stuff like that. You used to see it a little more often, especially in the NWA. I don't know if you've ever really seen it in WWF, um, but I like it. I like the champagne shower. It feels like a, you know, like that's what happens in sports when people win championships. So why not in pro wrestling? You know, it could also be, you can do the fireworks and the confetti. You can also show them backstage and champagne. Like, make it look like that these guys are legitimately happy to win the title. <laughs> right. And Especially friends, when it's their first time. They're friends, too. And when it's winning against somebody that's, like, this dastardly heel. It, I think whoever beats Roman, it would be a perfect setup to have, like, a celebration like that. Because mm, Roman we'll Reigns has been champ for so long. But 
you know, I don't know if we'll see that in WWE, but I like I, I agree with you. I like that visual, and I think it's awesome. And I think, uh, you know, watching that is just cool because you see the giant already. Already, the giant has stuff, and he's wiping the title. You know what he's doing. They don't have to tell you. You know, they don't have to explain what they're doing. You know, he's wiping that NWO spray paint off the belt. That's all you need to know, and that's the only visual you need. See, like Benoit and Mongo in the background. They're they're horsemen, man. They're like, okay, they're happy for Lex, and they're just clapping, but they're not getting involved in the big celebrations. They're not <laughs> popping. I think Benoit is like drinking a beer, but they're not popping anything. They're not like Ray Mysterio, who's like <laughs> uh, turning the ice over on Lex's head. You know, stuff like that. Like that was just hilarious, man. Yeah, well, we go to the opposite scene. <laughs> yeah. The opposite of all that happiness and joy and champagne is the NWO locker room where Hulk Hogan is. No champagne, no happiness, just frustration. And Hulk Hogan going, Jesus Christ. Good, <laughs> good God. Good God. Good God. Good God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And kicks the cameraman out of the room and he's livid. And that's how we go off the air, basically. It's with Hulk Hogan being mad until Road Wild, where he gets it back. But on this night, it was a good night for WCW. It's a good night for young Nicholas Pacone. Man, it was so like I didn't tape her all, but like I, I watched this tape, and not because of the other stuff, but because of Luger's title win the whole week. Like I, I was just rewatching it and how like how awesome it was and. I ordered Road Wild. You know, I was able to convince my mom to order Road Wild because I wanted to see it. I didn't, you know, I had a feeling that, you know, Hogan would regain it. But, like, at the time, I'd never even seen a Road Wild pay-per-view. Like, it was Hogwild in 96. And I watched, like, some of the videos that Nitro would air in, in 96 and some stills. I was like, that's a that's a unique, like, I like the outdoor events. So I just wanted to watch it. Like, I wanted to see it. And everything was, like, great for WCW and I just wanted to watch it. It was a Saturday. So my mom ordered it and, and we watched it, but like just that whole week, I remember being like so happy. I, I invited my friend over who liked, who liked uh, WCW at the time. His favorite wrestler was Ric Flair. And I don't remember if he watched uh, Nitro that week. Uh, he might've been on vacation or something, but later that week he came over and we rewatched uh, that main event and everything. I think we were watching some of the tape and I, I remember being weird because I knew what was on the tape. So we didn't like watch, you know, when I changed the channel or anything, we only watched uh, Luger uh, and uh, I think the Conan match when Rey Mysterio laid him out and some other things like the Steiners uh, introducing DiBiase. We watched that stuff. So, um, yeah, it was it was a great week for me because I was like probably the peak of my fandom, especially with WCW, where I was just like, man, that was like so cool, very unexpected. You know, I was a quote-unquote smart type of wrestling fan. Like, I knew, like, you know, bad guys and good guys. And, uh, you know, oh, the NWO is probably going to come out and DQ because they always do that. Just that ending was so different than what we normally see on Nitro when it came to, you know, the NWO and Hogan and stuff. I just thought it was fantastic. I was hooked that whole week. I'm sure you were, and I don't know what happened on Raw that night, but I'm sure it paled a comparison to what happened on Nitro. Yeah, it was uh, the how do you type a title change too? SummerSlam was the oh, previous man. week, so that and was that's crazy. When SummerSlam is turn heel, yeah. Right, and SummerSlam was the heart and soul, and you had that big yep. title match with Bret Hart and Undertaker. Yeah, like you said, '97 was a good year, man. I'm telling you, man, that week, year. that two week span was probably the peak of my fandom because I was pissed Bret Hart won the title 
But then the next night, Luger wins the title. Like, it was such a range of emotions yeah, between crazy. the WWF and WCW. And then even at Roe Wild, Hogan wins the title. I'm like, what the hell? But it was, mm-hmm. looking back, it's such good pro wrestling, man. That's why, even as a kid, like, my emotions get the best of me. And I'm just like, oh, this sucks. I'm never going to watch WCW again. But, of course, I, I did. And, you know, I hated Bret Hart. And I was like, I'm never going to watch WWF again. Of course I did. So, and I, you know, like, it was yeah. so great. And I don't know if I maybe it was because I was a kid that it felt like it hit me that much emotionally, but uh, definitely one of the greatest spans. Even I, they would preempt Raw after like another week or two for the you know either the dog show or the tennis tournament or whatever, and uh, I think it was the U.S. Open at the time or Wimbledon, and I would they they had sometimes they wouldn't have any programming. But then they had Friday night's main event to replace the Raw. So, and I think it aired from like ten to twelve or eleven to one. And I taped those, and I would stay up Friday night because it was in August, and I would watch that, and I taped that, and it was just such a good month. And and Canadian Stampede in July when we did that, like the whole summer, man, really, like I was, it was the peak of my fandom. So I love watching all these shows, and I watch them. I still watch them in 2022 because it brings me back, and it kind of like reminds me why I love pro wrestling. So, there you kudos. Go. Uh, it, it'd be nice if the current product could enthrall and captivate people like could. they did. They were doing 25 years ago, but um, there's some good things. There's some not so good things. Vince McMahon isn't in charge anymore, so. It's the dawn of a new day here in, in, in pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, let's wrap it up for episode 332 with some plugs, please. Yeah, you can follow me at underscore Picone. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can check my stuff out at phillyinfluencer.com. Uh, we're at shootersradio.com and at foxphlgambler.com. You could listen to our SummerSlam roundtable, see if our predictions came true, or you could also listen to our appearance on the line change with John Jansen from Wednesday night when the day that it was announced WrestleMania is coming to Philly, and we joined John Jansen for an hour to talk about all that, or half hour, I should say, a little more than a half hour about WrestleMania coming to Philly in 2024. So uh, check that out at foxphlgambler.com. Yeah, we haven't really talked about that on the shooters. We talked about it on Fox PHL The Gambler, but Philly is getting a WrestleMania in 2024. We've been talking about this for years on this (laughs) podcast. And specifically saying, oh, maybe it's going to be 2026. Wrong. Wrong. 2024, two years earlier. I'm very happy about that. Um, And a lot of people are obviously very happy about that. It's going to be dope for the city. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's gonna be great to just hop on the subway and be able to go to WrestleMania, <laughs> like, and not have to travel across the country. Right. Which I don't know, man. We gotta do, we gotta do some stuff next year. For, yeah. Well, not next year, twenty twenty four. It's gonna be a busy and hectic time. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a busy and hectic time. But yes, WrestleMania is coming to Philadelphia. A long time coming. Uh, I know we got international listeners, but you know, uh, Philly is a wrestling hotbed. Uh, we got a lot of promotions have run here. They've started here and. A lot of wrestlers have lived here and gotten their start here and you know cut their teeth here in Philly. Um, so yeah, it's not it shouldn't be that big of a surprise, but it's really the surprise to me was it happening in 2024, 20, not 2026. But either way, 
Yes, it's a celebration. <laughs> and I still think it's funny. finally come to Philly. I still think it's funny. Uh, you had texted me Wednesday morning because you were now privy that you guys were going to announce it. The Enquirer broke the story, and I'm assuming you were going to publish it or you were going to be part of the team that published it at 10 a.m. that morning. And I had on our At Shooters Radio Twitter account <laughs> a Big Boss Man audiogram from uh, Fully Loaded 99 that was going to post at the same exact time. And uh, I had mentioned that to you and because uh, you were like, we might have to do an emergency podcast, which we wound up doing on the line change with John Jansen. And I was like, oh, well, I have this set to, to post at 10 o'clock. And you're like, yeah, you might want to reschedule that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, going to get overshadowed. Uh, yeah. At just the same bit. time. Just a so, bit. So just uh, a little bit. We did bit. post that, by the way, uh, the next day. It was hilarious running down Big Boss Man's uh, heel tactics in 1999, uh, starting with... S- driving us a nail like a stake in the head <laughs> Al Snow's head not Al Snow's head but Al Snow's head's head right yeah, yeah that weird stuff go. so yeah. uh, that stuff. was just a, a funny like few moments a fu- uh, like it's just a whirlwind uh, so many reaction coming out of Philly and uh, you know I, I'm so excited yeah but if you want to that fully noted 99 uh, deep dive was a Patreon request so if you want to Request a, a deep dive in the future. Go to patreon.com slash shooters radio, pay the nominal fee, and we will fulfill your request and have you make a cameo on the show as well. So it's a, it's a great deal. It's the best deal in, in all of wrestling podcasts right, right now. Yes. The Patreon deep dive request. Uh, but I'm Adam Johnson on Twitter. You can follow my professional tweets at Philly Inquirer. Uh, we can find my writing there as well, inquire.com. Hit from here from time to time. Uh, and again, I mentioned Patreon already. So yeah, again, one more time, patreon.com slash radio. But until next time, for Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 332 of The Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Listen to The Straight Shooters. This is Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick McCone at The Straight Shooters, y'all. <laughs>